Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about the finale of season five of The Vampire Diaries. Season five, episode 22, which is called Home. Some big wins for me this episode, but also some truly dastardly losses. (laughs) Yeah, they really... You know, I asked you last week, because you had implied that you thought everyone we wanted was going to get to come back. And I said, that seems pretty happy. It did. You know what? I was never going to guess the situation we ended up in. Yeah, you were. Which is something something so magical about Julie Pleck that I can sit here and be like, oh, here, someone might have to die. Who would it be? Who would it be? Never in the world would I have said Damon. No, you were saying maybe Tyler. During the episode, you said, oh, Liz Forbes is going to die. Nope. No, it's Damon. (laughs) I was convinced this was the end of Liz Forbes as we knew it. I was so sure. But a bad bitch gets up every time. You cannot keep her down. You really can't. She was married to Bill Forbes. She's stronger than that. She said, I'm not going to be killed by a fire. <laughs> so I'm not dying in the fucking dry storage of the Mystic Grill. <laughs> <laughs> that is not my narrative. <laughs> so much to break down this episode. But before we do, here's a quick ad. I'll start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. Heartbroken by an unexpected tragedy, Damon is focused on holding himself together while pushing Bonnie harder than ever to find a way to stop the disintegration of the other side. Elena takes matters into her own hands and demands that Liv and Luke help her, but Liv refuses to cooperate until Caroline provides her with some personal motivation. (laughs) Sheriff Forbes is horrified when Marcos uses violence against Tyler slash Julian to prove that Mystic Falls is now under the control of the Travelers which, by the way, lasted about a day. Great work, Marcos. You're a shitty villain to the end. You guys worked for 2,000 years and you got a town for 12 hours. Woohoo! And you were stupid the whole fucking time. You fell for an open burr. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Who are you, me? Yeah. What are you, a 19-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> with new information from Sheriff Forbes, Damon comes up with a dangerous plan that relies on split-second timing from Jeremy and Matt. <laughs> Not split-second. It's when the clock <laughs> strikes seven. Could have relied on a little bit more split-second timing from Damon. Yeah, let's get on that. Liv's offhand remark regarding Stefan gets a surprisingly emotional response from Caroline. That's interesting. I wouldn't call that the biggest part of the episode. I don't know why they get its whole line. (laughs) Yeah, I I wouldn't put that in the synopsis, but okay. Okay. As conditions on the other side worsen, Bonnie takes the opportunity to settle an old score. Finally, Damon's plan causes a massive explosion in Mystic Falls, and everyone is caught up in the confusion, leaving a trail of heroism, sacrifice, relief, and despair. Mm-hmm. But we start the episode at Whitmore, just moments after the end of last week's episode, where, who can forget, Stefan died. Yes, Stefan was brutally murdered. By Julian. They are in, like, the common room of their dorm, and Stefan's body is on the couch. It is still gray and veiny. Caroline is sitting with it and she is crying. Damon and Elena run in. Elena goes to Stefan. She's like, oh my God, Stefan. And Caroline says, I didn't know where to bring him. I just couldn't leave him outside. And then she says, you know, Bonnie has a plan, right? She said that she could bring people back. Like, tell me that she can bring people back. Yeah, because she's like, look, that's pretty much the only thing I have going for me at this moment. (laughs) And you guys, I'm sure are on the same page with me. None of us are happy with this outcome. Yeah. Damon says, we'll bring him back. And then he says, come on, let's get away from prying eyes. Damon goes to move Stefan's body. While this is happening, Stefan is watching from the other side. And he is freaked. Yeah, because he's like, damn, this is really depressing. He said, shit. I fully died. 
He said, I can't believe I got killed by a fucking traveler. <laughs> After all that, a traveler who looked like Tyler Lockwood is what took me out. There's rumbling on the other side and wind. He misses a bunch of beams he could have grabbed onto, but finally he gets one. Yeah, he's slipping sliding on the hardwood floor. Buddy, start grabbing. <laughs> start reaching for shit. He is being pulled. It looks like he's about to get sucked up for a second. But then someone grabs his hand and it's Lexi. Queening. She says, I got you. He gets back on his feet. And she says, looks like I've now saved you from both metaphorical darkness and actual darkness. I think you owe me a beer. He he does. He says, bestie, I needed that. He said, oh, thank God. At least someone's here. (laughs) He said, said, girl, I'm doing bad. So here's a question. I don't think I've ever asked this. And I mean, it is sort of moot at this point. Mm -hmm. But do you think this wind that pulls people up, do you think it's targeted? Like there's a specific person it's pulling? Or do you think it's just whoever gets pulled first is the one to go? I was assuming it was targeted basically up to this point. Yeah. But it doesn't, it seems like if it was indeed targeted, like it wouldn't stop until it pulled that person. Exactly. Because Stefan gets his feet lifted. Like the wind wants him. But then he's able to escape it. Or like if there's multiple people standing there, like it's pulling all of them as we see later in the episode. Exactly. So I guess it it does kind of seem like it's just when a vacuum opens up in the disintegration of the other side. I don't know. It seems like it seems like too many of them have been targeted, though. I mean, we'll talk about the wind, too, because I think your longstanding theory about the wind may have been questioned this episode a little bit. Yeah, just a touch. Just a touch. (laughs) But we'll talk more (laughs) about that later on. In the Whitmore dorm room, Bonnie and Damon are chilling. I guess I should say Bonnie is chilling and Damon is breaking a bunch of stuff. He says, you had a plan. And she says, yes, I did have a plan. I had a traveler who knew the right spell. Damon says, and you lost her. And Bonnie says, okay, well, I didn't lose her. She was sucked into oblivion like everyone else on the other side. Like, I can't control that, King. Bonnie's like, I'm sorry. Like, just because you guys are all dying doesn't mean I have to figure out like a once in a lifetime type of spell for you all. Like, I am literally doing my best. We held on to her. She flew away. What do you want me to do? Like, I tried. Damon says, okay, find another traveler then. And Bonnie says, you know, it's more than just knowing the spell. Marcos was able to come back because dozens of travelers were willing to sacrifice themselves in order to overwhelm me. I doubt they'll be willing to do that for a bunch of supernatural strangers. And Damon says, you know who needs motivation? You need motivation. Because if the other side goes away, everyone we know there, including you, goes away with it. And she says, yeah, I'm well aware of that. Do you think I want to die, King? I am on the same page. She's like, no, I agree with you. Like, I would also like this to not be an issue, but that doesn't change the fact that I don't know any other travelers and I don't know how we're going to get them to sacrifice themselves. Yeah. The answer, of course, is you sacrifice them yourself, but. Yeah, you don't ask them. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't need to be a self-sacrifice. Yeah. Damon says, my brother is over there. And Bonnie says, yeah, I know. And then he says, you know, so is Alaric and so is your grams. And she says, I also know that. She said, I'm super aware of who is over there. She says, first of all, I talk to my grams like every day. These people do not leave me alone. Because guess what? They all want to be coming back. Guess what? I'm the only one that they can talk to. And now we're all building a list of who to come back. So, you know, everyone wants a spot. And then Enzo in the corner says, hi, let's not forget who else is at the top of the search and rescue list. Enzo's like, really? You named Alaric before you named me? Who the fuck is this Alaric guy? Enzo's like, guys, this all started when you said you'd bring me back. So why am I suddenly not being mentioned again? Yeah, how am I not number one on the list right now? Yeah, wasn't I kind of the main one? Bonnie says, Enzo's here. 
And Damon's like, of course. <laughs> Damon says, well, 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 if it's not Mr. Butterfingers himself. Fair enough. Got him there. <laughs> How'd it feel to have your only hope of coming back literally slip through your fingers? And Enzo says, hello to you too, grumpy pants. Tell him to play nice. I have a plan. And Bonnie says, oh my God, are you serious? You found another traveler? And Damon says, oh my God, well, okay, get on it then. And Enzo says, already on it, mate. You still need someone to do this coming back from the dead spell. I assume you have a witch or two in your pocket. And Bonnie says, more or less. And so it's like, fine, I'll fix this again. He says, I'll find another traveler. I guess I have nothing better to do. I found the first traveler. I guess I'll just do it again. Well, you guys all yell at each other about how no one's doing it. <laughs> Let's all remember that when I come back and, you know, you might need a new friend in the group. Let's all remember that if you're down a guy at the end of this episode. A guy who's got a little bit of a funny energy, a little like kind of evil adjacent, but, you know, just a herd of gold. And charming nonetheless. <laughs> we go out to the road. Liv and Luke are driving. Well, Luke is driving, Liv's in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. And Liv's being a real backseat driver. She says, great, grandma just passed us. And Luke says, you know, if you want to drive, you can just say so. And she says, no, I want you to drive. Just at a speed more fitting for two people who tried to commit murder just now. I mean, they should definitely be hitting that gas. And they should be in that gas. I mean, they should have hit that gas last night. Yeah. Did they have like a leisurely morning? <laughs> they had to go get breakfast. Yeah, they had to get brunch. <laughs> it was a tiring day. <laughs> like, I know we really should get out of town, but I need one more chicken club. Luke is like, I'm really sorry. I know we have to be on the road, but like, if I'm going to deal with the stress of yesterday and driving, I need a mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> Luke says, look, they are not following us, okay? Marco stripped the town of spirit magic. There's no way they survived it. And Liv looks out the front window and says, something tells me they did because Elena is standing right in front of the car. Luke slams on the brakes to stop. Now, if I'm Luke, I'm hitting her and I'm going to continue driving. I'm I'm sorry. Because like, (laughs) you can't make me stop. Yeah, Liv could stop the car with magic. Elena just has her little tiny body. I could run over that in a second. Yeah, sorry, me, I'm committing a hit and run. I could knock her out at 45. Come on. Yeah. And then what? I mean, Caroline will vamp run to catch up to me. But if she gets in front of the car, I'll hit her. And she'll run out of juice to run eventually, much before I run out of gas. So I'm keeping driving. Is she going to run 80 miles an hour for 50 miles? I doubt it. We'll see. But no, they feel trapped. Luke says, I bet if I turn around, he turns and Caroline's there. And Liv says, great, they're using our own tricks against us. Jerks. It's a cool move. I don't blame them for stealing it. I mean, it worked for you guys. Why would it not work for them? It, it did work for them. Exactly. Liv gets out of the car to, you know, communicate. Elena says, little tip. If you're going to flee the scene of the crime, take back roads. Now that's fair. Also, because these people are all from this town, so they do know the back roads. So yeah. you want to take a you want to take an off the beaten path moment. Exactly. Liv says, you really want to do this again? And Elena says, if you mean the part where you tried to kill a doppelganger, there's no point. Stefan's already dead. And Liv says, okay, well, I know you don't believe me, but I am sorry about that. Yeah, Liv's like, I didn't do it. Sorry. Sorry that he's dead. And, you know, I hate to be this person, but it stopped the spell, didn't it? You're also alive. Yeah. Elena says, good, because you're going to help us bring him back. And Liv says, look, I get what you guys need from us. I do. But if both doppelgangers are alive again, the travelers can restart their spell. Which magic goes bye-bye and all you vamps are goners. Elena says they're not going to have a chance to start again. Because in order to bring Stefan back, we're going to have to kill them. A lot of them, including Marcos. Luke says, okay, well, we can't help you. And even if we wanted to, our coven would kill us. An interesting drop as we continue. Why do you think their coven would kill them? Anything you want to comment on on that line at this point? Uh, Not till the end. Not till the end. I have to think through some things first absolutely take your time pass Pass. (laughs) (laughs) caroline says stefan saved your life now this 
technically, yes, but he saved his life from a shed that he wouldn't have been at if Stefan didn't make him cloak them. And the reason that Luke got attacked doing the cloaking spell was because Stefan was being a hater to Enzo. So like, yeah. yes, Stefan saved his life, but he was also kind of the reason Luke's life was in danger. So th- that kind of counts out to net zero. Well, all these people are the reason either of them are in danger. I mean, the the whole reason they're in any situation is because they got pulled into this group, which yes, they were actively inserting themselves into the group as well, but yeah. they could have killed the doppelganger faster is all I'm saying. Yeah, you can't blame Liv and Luke for not being super thrilled to help these people. Yeah, they've done enough. It didn't work. And now their coven is going to be mad because it didn't work. They don't really need the coven matter. Yeah. Because whatever the deal with them is, it can't be good. Yeah, something's afoot. I'll say that. (laughs) Luke says, I know he did, but, and Liv says, we can't risk it. Now, this is where Caroline and Elena actually make a move that is a little bit out of character for them, but clearly very necessary. And I'm glad they tried to talk it out first, but this is where this was going. Caroline breaks Luke's neck. I was thinking when they were doing this, I was like, you know, you don't need both of these witches for this spell. And what better way to guarantee they help you than to kill the other one? I mean, we've seen Enzo threatened Luke before and Liv clearly helped Enzo. You're already bringing people back at this point in your guys' mind. What's another one? Which, you know, don't get me started on that. Yeah, that mindset isn't great, but I get where it's coming from. (laughs) But like, yeah, now you have to help people come back. You got to keep the witches in somehow. It's a good plan. These are the only two witches they know at this point. Yeah, and I don't think Caroline would have done this if it were not for the the Stefan situation. I yeah. think that is strongly coloring how aggressive she was willing to be. If it was just Enzo, I don't think she would have done this. She would have been like, yeah. ha sucks for Enzo. Yeah, but they were in a situation now. <laughs> yeah. Caroline says, your brother's officially on the other side. Think you can risk it now? Liv is freaked. Yeah, Liv is obviously shocked by that. She just watched her twin brother die. Uh, and she will be helping them now. Yeah. She's like, okay, well, it goes my day. <laughs> you did get me there, I fear. <laughs> we go over to the border of Mystic Falls. There are some travelers moving the town sign. More travelers are coming into town with their duffel bags as Marcos watches on the welcoming committee. It's like the fucking walking dead. They're all just walking into town. And the moving the sign is so funny because, you know, we don't know exactly where they moved the sign from, but it looks like he moved it literally like four feet. Yeah. <laughs> silliness it's more for us the audience to have like a clear visual divider than it is for the travelers but it's also funny because like the travelers we know they have to travel like every couple days Mm -hmm. none of you has invested in a car i mean come on a bike even a bike a scooter you guys are like the target demographic for bike culture yeah and you know i know some bikes are expensive Are you telling me not one of them has ever stolen a bike? Bikes get stolen every fucking day. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Get on a bus. I don't know why we're all walking into town. Whatever. Yeah. The sheriff drives up and Mirko says, it is a good day, sheriff. And she says, no, it's fucking not, obviously. She says, I certainly wouldn't say that. Liz says, maybe for you, it took me all night to evacuate a 10 mile civilian radius around the town square. So she evacuated all the townspeople who are left. Mirko says, gas leak. Very clever. I appreciate your cooperation. And she says, okay, this will keep our residents away for now, but not forever. She's like, you know, I can't like make them stay away indefinitely. Like that's, that's not like within my realm of power. She's like, do you understand the real estate market? Like I can't just kick people out of their homes with no reason. 
we're not eligible for eminent domain here. Okay. That's like the one way to do that. Yeah. And it would be one thing if I could, you know, compel people to move, but I can't have anyone compel anyone because you got rid of magic. You got any natural spells for that? Yeah. Are you guys going to actually like do anything besides like squat in people's homes? The answer is no. Look, I know you guys squat all the time, but here's the thing. When you squat in a place that isn't abandoned, you're going to get arrested and dragged out of there. They just don't understand any laws. Suddenly your home is just going to be the Mystic Falls Jail, which is fine. You'll all be together. That seems to be your only thing. And you'll be able to settle in the jail. I know Damon just gave up when you took his house, but that's because you had magic to stop him. You can't do that anymore. Like people aren't going to be like, okay, guess it's your house now. They're going to want a mortgage from you. All parts of this plan were just not thought through in any way. Yeah. I don't know what is going on in Marcos's head, but it seems like a tumbleweed is rolling because there's not a thought in there. <laughs> it's actually almost impressive to have spent this long on a plan and still have missed thinking out like 90% of it. What have you been thinking about all day? Like, I'm legitimately curious. Like, it can't be that hard to find abandoned places. And like, you walk everywhere. You have so much thinking time. And at no point in this was someone like, hey, I don't want to be a downer, but I don't know if people will just leave their homes. And then Marcos killed him. Yeah, Marcos killed him. <laughs> well, you just aren't on our side. You don't want to find a home with us, do you? You betrayed the travelers by asking a question. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> Dumbass. Marcos says, I'm sure we can think of something if we put our heads together. You know, they say two heads are better than one. But again, I don't think Marcos brings one head to the table. Yeah. So yeah, I think, the sheriff would have to come up with something. I think if you put him and Matt together, that would be a total of a head. And you know what? I'm going to say something controversial. Matt would be the majority. Matt's given 75%. <laughs> Marcos makes Matt look like a fucking Rhodes Scholar. Matt met Marcos and he was like, you know what? Maybe I can go to college. <laughs> <laughs> There's hope for me yet. Liz says, hey, why are you moving our sign? That seems stupid. Yeah. And Marcos says, our desire was to end spirit magic everywhere. As you can see, we hit a snag. Nevertheless, this is our home now. And just to keep things simple, we've reset the official border of Mystic Falls to where the spell begins. Right there. One, hit a snag. No, you failed is what you did. Two, why would you want to make it clear where the border is that kills supernatural creature? Put the sign like 30 yards back. Some people think they're outside of town and they get killed. Yes. Liz says, of all the small towns to call home, you probably shouldn't have picked one full of vampires. She never misses because we've been saying this since day one. Liz, trust me, we've tried. I don't know, girl. This man won't hear reason. (laughs) Marco says, you think I'm afraid of vampires? Number one, you obviously are. You wouldn't kick them out of town. Number two, that's not even the point she was making. Not that you're afraid of them, just that it's making your whole thing harder. Like it really complicated this plan in a way that just isn't necessary. You could have avoided it if you went to a town with no vampires, did this spell, and then the spell gets them before they know what's happening. Yeah. Again, 2,000 years, no one could have thought of that contingency plan. Marco says, maybe you think your friend Damon or your daughter can come save the day. Let me give an example of why that would be unwise. They open the door to a sprinter van that's just been parked there. Mm-hmm. And it reveals a chained up Julian. And Liz says, Tyler. And Marco says, that's not Tyler, that's Julian. And Liz is like, sure, whatever. <laughs> he says, Julian is a traveler who betrayed his people when he killed the doppelganger and stopped the spell. 
a big scary werewolf vampire hybrid. You can just say hybrid. She knows what it is. Werewolf <laughs> vampire is redundant. Well, yeah. you think he's a hybrid between? Shut up. Literally. <laughs> he says, and yet a little vervain, a touch of wolfsbane, and here you are, weak and all mine. She's like, okay, I don't know why you need to explain this to me. Like, I understand what Tyler's body is, at least. She's like, I know what Wolfsbane and Vervain are. It's also funny. I mean, we talked about this before. What did Marcos think was going to happen with Julian? He put him in a body that was going to die from the spell. You couldn't have put Julian in a human? Yeah. Dumb fucks. Julian says, you think you're some great leader because you pillage a helpless town? That makes you king now? Sorry, your highness, but I don't buy it. Unfortunately, that's exactly what kings do. Yeah, I hate to tell you this, Julian. <laughs> You're not making a great point here. <laughs> Welcome, comrade Julian. Yeah. <laughs> Marcos says, that's because you haven't set foot inside my kingdom. My God, he's so obnoxious. Every time he's talking, it's like blah, 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 blah in my head. Like, oh my God, stop. Finish this sentence. And every sentence he's spoken is like the longest sentence he's ever spoken in his life. Yeah, nothing can adequately explain just how happy I was to see him conclusively die before this season is over. Oh, thank the Lord. It's like, thank you. Get out of here. Boo. Boo. He exits to audience boos. <laughs> yeah. Marco says, the spell the travelers cast across Mystic Falls eliminates spirit magic. So while my people continue to have access to the Earth's purest magic, whatever that means, we never find out. Yeah, we never know. We don't see a single one of them do a spell inside <laughs> Mystic Falls. He doesn't, like, they have access to the world's purest magic and they get blown up. What the fuck was the use of it? Yes, if you have access to magic, you can't prevent an explosion from killing you? You you have the, the best magic on the planet. You can't smell gas five minutes earlier than everybody else? Yeah, come on. So Marcos goes on to explain with magic eliminated and mystic falls. He says, your friend Tyler will be stripped of everything the witches did to him. First, his hybrid side, and then his vampirism, and with no vampirism to keep him alive, He'll just be a boy with a werewolf gene who happened to break his neck. I do love his hybrid side and then his vampirism. Baby boy, those came at the same time. Those are the same thing. And yet he seems to know that he snapped his neck somehow. Yeah. What reading do you do? Who told you that? Who is your source? Then he'll just be a boy who was shot in front of a church. Oh, that was a different time. Oh, then he'll (laughs) just be a boy who drowned after a car accident. That's Elena. How many have you died? (laughs) Ain't y'all got any humans in this town? <laughs> Julian says, no, no. But they drag him past the border. He blinks gold. His fangs appear and disappear. He burns in the sun and then his neck breaks and he dies. And Liz says, oh my God. Yeah, Liz says, oops. So this is another person at being added to the list of people who need to come back. So it becomes clear at this point in the episode that like some people are coming back because too many people are on the other side for all of them to die. Yeah. And you know what I respect about Liz here? She just kind of lets this happen because she recognizes that that's not really Tyler. And she's like, you know what? I'm just going to let him give me the information here. Yeah. Sorry, Tyler. Sorry, Tyler. See you when I see you, maybe. (laughs) We go back over to Whitmore. Bonnie groans as if someone has just passed through her. And Enzo says, one less witch twin in the world. So we know that Luke just passed through, although he didn't get any lines for that. (laughs) Yeah. Time was short this episode. (laughs) Bonnie says, no, one more person we need to bring back. And Enzo says, you know, this list is getting uncomfortably long. Because Enzo, like any rational person, is like, look, I'm seeing the writing on the wall. The list is long. And the longer the list is, the less likely all of them will come back. I just want to make sure I get in there. 
He's like, when I got in here, I was the first person on the list. Granted, like Alaric and Lexi were already on the other side at that time. So mm-hmm. they were kind of like half on the list. But he's like, but now Stefan's dead. All you people are ranking people above me. He's like, that's just not happening. Bonnie says, yeah, tell me about it. But with Liv doing the spell, not bringing her brother back would be just, and and just as what, smart, savvy? And Bonnie says, cruel. It would be cruel. Although, I mean, maybe you shouldn't have brought him back. <laughs> yeah, it would be both cruel and savvy. Let's be yeah. honest. Uh, many options fit right in between those two. Yeah. Bonnie says, but none of it matters if your mysterious traveler doesn't show. And then first, Tyler appears. And he says, Bonnie? And Bonnie says, Tyler, is that you? He says, how the hell did I get here? And she says, oh, well, you're dead and you're you. Caroline was right. Dying eliminated your passenger. And he says, hang on. Because to her, the dying part is like less interesting because she's like, oh, the passenger is gone. And he was like, rewind. Run it back. Did you say I'm dead? Poor Tyler. He's like, what the fuck? I've knocked out after the passenger came forward and now I'm dead. What did that guy get me into? And Bonnie says, yeah, you are dead. I did say that. But we can bring you back. And Enzo says, oh, my God, the list keeps growing. Enzo's like, not another one. Who the fuck is this guy? Didn't he (laughs) kill Stefan? (laughs) Bonnie says, I need you to trust me, okay? And Tyler says, do I have a choice? He doesn't wait for an answer because the answer is clear. It's no, you don't have a choice. And he passes through. Bonnie has now been the anchor for whatever, like six months a year. However, we want to imagine time. It's hard when there's no school year. She has not gotten any better at this little speech. Like, she has not gotten better at very calmly being like, you are dead. Like, he'll just pass through me, blah, blah. She's like, you're dead. Hey. She's like, oh, my God, I'm busy. You're dead. (laughs) I guess, you know, you're just sick of it after a while. Like, at at a certain point, it's like, I'm not your therapist. You're dead. Come on. She said, I can't be patient with all of you. You're, You're dead. It is what it is. Bye. I'm in the middle of something. We go over to a classroom at Whitmore. Matt and Jeremy are there, and Damon walks in. And Damon says, class is in session, because he's still got a sense of humor, despite his brother being dead. Yeah. <laughs> he says, first lesson, anti-magic perimeter. Gilbert, what you got? And Jeremy says, I walked around Mystic Falls this morning to see where my hunter instincts disappeared. Sure. Sure. Maybe you could have just looked at the signs, since apparently they're moving signs. <laughs> Damon says, meaning what? Your bicep shrunk and your brain got smaller? No one high fives him, but they should. Jeremy says meaning that I have a supernatural urge to kill vampires so wherever I hated you less there was no magic they've drawn it on a map just a map of when he wanted to kill somebody yeah interesting approach Damon says oh the cemeteries outside of the no magic barrier a couple other unpopulated areas too so we know that pretty much all the town is an anti-magic zone and the cemeteries free ground I guess on the phone Caroline's on speaker. The phone's on the desk. She says, hey, Professor Salvatore, not everyone can see the map. And Elena says, yeah, don't forget about us. <laughs> and Damon says, Donovan, you had one job. And Matt says, okay, I'll send a picture right now. Two funny things with him sending the picture. <laughs> Number one, there's like a lingering image of the AT&T logo and a Samsung logo. They're still hawking phones at us. But number two, <laughs> is Caroline's contact picture is like a professionally done still photo from an episode of The Vampire Diaries. It looks like a theater headshot. (laughs) Like, it almost looks like it's FaceTime, the way it's set up. But obviously she doesn't move, so we know it's not. But it's like so goofy. It looks like he went and Googled, Google imaged Caroline Forbes and had it up on his phone. Yeah. Like, that's what I thought the situation was before I realized she was on the phone. Yeah. 
Caroline and Elena look at the picture of the map and Elena says, we should be there. And Damon says, no, you should not be. You are on witch duty because without crazy locks, no one's rising from the dead. So next order of business, mass murder. Quarterback. So Matt pulls out some papers, the blueprints or something. Damon says, got these from the sheriff. Apparently there was some truth to her evacuation story. There's a major gas line that runs underneath the town. Now, if it did leak, it could be deadly. As in, massive explosion deadly. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Matt says, we can't blow up our hometown. And Damon says, says one of the only people left in this group who can actually live there. Damon's like, oh, we certainly can. And <laughs> Elaine's like, actually, you'd be shocked how uh, easy it is to burn a house down. Yeah. Doesn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't affect you as much as you think it would. Elena says, we're not blowing up the town. We just need to lure enough travelers to one spot. And Caroline says, how? We can't lure anyone anywhere stuck out here. And Damon says, and that's where your mama comes in. She will convince them to gather somewhere inside. Meanwhile, these two geniuses at seven o'clock will turn on the gas, let it leak, and we'll have about 10 minutes before anyone can smell it. You clear out, boom, traveler's gone, resurrection spell starts, loved ones return. Good, class dismissed. Plan sounds great. Immediately with this plan, though, I think to myself, how's a fire going to start with just a gas leak? Someone's got to ignite that. Yeah, how's an explosion going to trigger? <laughs> a-, a question that no one else asks, but does have an answer. Yeah, which someone, <laughs> it is true, someone should be asking this. How are we going to trigger an explosion? You're concerned about whether or not you'll be able to lure someone. I could lure someone over the phone in two minutes. I can't start an explosion from three miles away. Yeah, just call Marcos and say they're having a big sale at the mall. Of beanies and army green jackets. <laughs> Marcos, I have a new home that I think would be just perfect for you guys. I'm a realtor. <laughs> you know, I wanted to let bygones be bygones, and I found this house for you to go to. And the house is just a warehouse. And he'd be like, it's beautiful. <laughs> he'd be like, I can, he's like, ooh, I love open concept. <laughs> it's like a giant prison with like bunk beds. And he's like, this is amazing. He said, this will do. Then we go over to the other side, specifically at the grill on the other side. Lexi and Stefan are walking together. And Lexi says, huh, I thought for sure he'd be here. If you were a history teacher turned vampire, where else would you be? And she's, of course, referring to Alaric, who we don't see at this time, which is concerning. Not to me. <laughs> I, I, was, I was okay. I knew he was coming. <laughs> Stefan says, you seem very intent on finding someone you barely know. And Lexi says, well, I have a thing for day drinkers. Plus, he has a cute name, Alaric. Cute is an interesting word, isn't it? I would say he has a <laughs> unique name. Yeah. <laughs> I would say Lexi is a cute name. Yeah. Stefan says, we'll find him. And Lexi says, seriously? She sees a plate of potato skins. And she says, seriously? This is what I have to look forward to when I come back to life? All you can eat potato skins? Yes, girl. Get excited. (laughs) All you can eat potato skins? Where? I'll go there. (laughs) Aren't you pumped? That's the human experience, baby. She (laughs) says, remind me again why you never made it to Portland. And Stefan says, well, that's an easy answer. Um, I was attacked by Silas and locked in a safe to drown for three months. Yeah, pretty clear reason why we're bringing that one up right now, aren't we? (laughs) And she says, yawn, then you made it out and you're still here. (laughs) Fair question, Lex. (laughs) And Stefan says, Lexi, either one of us could blink out of existence at any second. So if you have something to say to me. And she says, Caroline. He says, what about Caroline? What do you mean? What about Caroline? Lexi said, I picked one word to sum it up. It's pretty simple. She says, wow, okay, you really don't see it, do you? And he says, see what? I'm going to punch you in the face. Men are so stupid. Then Liz enters with Murkos and Lexi and Stefan can hear. Liz says, listen, I may not carry a lot of weight with you people, but I am still the sheriff and I still represent the people who live here. And Murkos says, 
The travelers haven't been able to gather together for centuries, which I take issue with because y'all been gathering everywhere. You just have to move every couple of days. Yeah. I mean, you can't gather long term, but you were just gathered in an abandoned mall. Yeah. Don't you all just want to hang out with each other? That's what you were doing anyway. He says the last thing they'll tolerate is a list of your ground rules. Again, I don't know what to tell you. Living in a town comes with laws. Isn't the whole thing about you wanting to live in a town that you like want structure and like system to live in that is your home? And also, if you were so against having laws or ground rules, why even interact with the sheriff at all? Why not just kick her out and say, this is my office now? Clearly, none of you want a job. Why not just kill her? Yeah. Like, why are they even entertaining this? Clearly, they want to have cops around. And I'm sorry, I understand that, like, she's the sheriff and whatever. He's wanting to interact with him and, like, make this town his own, whatever. You know that her daughter is a vampire. Why on earth would she be helping you guys? You should always be assuming she is not on our side. Why are you even talking to her? Yeah, she should not get any leeway at all. She lures them in with the oldest trick in the book, like putting out cheese for a mouse. She says, what if there's an open bar? And Marco says, well, you got me there. Marco says, I have no qualms. Surely she doesn't have an ulterior motive in offering me an open bar. I'm sorry, a free open bar from someone who hates you? Best case scenario, there's laxatives. Like, best case scenario, you're going to throw up. Worst case scenario, there's arsenic in there. Like, well, worst case scenario, someone drives a car in and explodes you. (laughs) It's just, it's just stupid to fall for this. But it is the kind of thing they would fall for, so... Marcos has been falling for dumb shit all season. Like, this is the leaders that the Travelers have been, like, working to bring back for 2,000 years. Like, oh my god, we need Marcos back. This Marcos? You know who wouldn't have fallen for this? Sloan. I think Sloan could have gotten them out of it. Yeah, you know who wouldn't have fallen for this? Silas. Oh, not even a little bit. Silas would be like, I'm not talking to you. Silas would have just killed Liz, just like he did to Rudy. There's a reason that Silas was more important than you guys, okay? Yeah. Silas was too powerful. You know what? I have to stand by him wanting to be immortal and screw you guys over because you guys suck. Yeah, he was right for that. There's a reason that Silas has always called himself a witch and not a traveler. He doesn't like y'all. And he's right. Stefan sees all this happening and he says she's trying to gather the travelers. They're planning something. This is what Marcos should be saying. Mm-hmm. But no. But no, Marcos just is like, open bar with my friends. Home, home, home. <laughs> Home is where the herd is. Home (laughs) is where the open bar is. (laughs) We go back over to Whitmore. Jeremy and Bonnie are on the phone. Jeremy says, I should go with you. And Bonnie says, you need to go be a younger, hotter Bruce Willis. And if I take one step into Mystic Falls, goodbye anchor slash magic slash me. The younger, hotter Bruce Willis line is insane. I'm not quite sure what it refers to. I guess die hard. I, I, I guess. It's like a line from Psych. Yeah. It's like, what are you referencing, Bonnie? Yeah, like, this. it's a little jokey for Bonnie. I mean, Bonnie is not, like, not a jokester. But it is it is a little bit like, what? People are, like, dying left and right. You have a bunch of wicks to bring them back, and you're going to just, like, compare Jeremy to Bruce Willis right now? Yeah, you're literally planning on abandoning him in about two hours. <laughs> yeah. Let's maybe stay a little more on track here. <laughs> Jeremy says, at least tell me how this works. She says... Being an anchor is like being a gateway. Usually it's one way, but when the travelers die, Liv will do the spell, and her magic combined with all those travelers opening the gate at once will allow the people on the other side to push their way through me, like Marcos did. And Jeremy says, what about you? What happened? And she says, well, I stopped being the anchor. And Jeremy says, but how do you get through? And she says, Jeremy, I will be fine. 
I gotta go. Be careful. She hangs up. Not an answer. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, are you an idiot? I mean, <laughs> I mean, at least he asked the questions because no one else fucking did. But she's clearly being purposely vague. It's a yeah. super fair question. Hey, if you're the door that everyone's coming through, how do you get through the door? He should be like, it sounds like you're gonna die to me. But he doesn't. He just says, well, okay, see you later. He just says, see you, girl. And then Enzo turns to Bonnie and says, what is your plan exactly? More people should be asking this, not just Jeremy and Enzo. And, you know, I know it's been a while since we've really been in the situation of this. But the one thing we know about particularly Elena and Bonnie, but really all these people, they will sacrifice themselves. So if there's not a clear plan, that's probably the plan. Bonnie's done it multiple times. And the last time she did it, she literally died. Yeah. You should all be operating under the assumption that Bonnie's going to die. I know they all have like their own things to worry about, but it does kind of seem like if you are stupid, just say that. They take a lot of things Bonnie says at face value. Like when she's like, oh yeah, I have a plan to bring everyone back. And then she's like, "Mm, I lied about that. One thing about Bonnie (laughs) is she's going to lie and she's going to do it confidently. Like she'll usually just say, I know how to do that. And they'll be like, okay. You guys, you need to be watching out a little better. Yeah. Bonnie says to Enzo, my plan is my job, okay? Just like the spell is yours, which apparently you suck at. You should already be on the road. Silas appears. But at first, it's not clear if it's Silas or Stefan. He says, I'm late, aren't I? My bad. I was just watching some 80-year-old witch get dragged off into Never Never Land. It was weirdly entertaining. And Bonnie says, Stefan, girl. See, yeah, I thought that was Stefan, too. I was like, that's kind of a weird vibe for Stefan to have. Why is he being so cavalier about this? It's like, Stefan, what's the mood here, I was like, damn, he really chilled out. Maybe he did find some alcohol on the other side. (laughs) Enzo says, not exactly. Bonnie, meet the traveler with our one-way ticket out of here. Although you might know him better as an ancient immortal with a desperate need of a cure. And she says, oh, I totally forgot about you, Silas. Yeah, I forgot as soon as... We killed you. The way I didn't even guess we'd see Silas again. I know last week you were guessing ghosts on top of ghosts. And I said, there's one you forgot. And it was Silas. And then even you went on to talk and you still didn't guess Silas. It took me literally after we recorded, I kept thinking about it. And it took me at least four hours after we recorded (laughs) to come up with Silas. Like I wasn't going to get that on mic. How quickly we forget him. It took me a long time. (laughs) Bonnie says, Silas, you killed my dad. And it's like, oh, yeah, he did. It's like, oh, you mad about that stuff? <laughs> Silas says, and now I'm going to help bring your friends back to life and me along with them. So what do you say? Bygones? Now he's adding himself to the list too. Can't blame him for it. Well, because he thought he was going to spend eternity with his one true love. And now he's just over here. Yeah. And I'm sure Ketsia is not leaving him alone. <laughs> yeah. Ketsia doesn't give him peace, especially now that they can all talk to each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. He pushed her up into the wind immediately. As soon as he saw any wind, he like hunted her. <laughs> he said, get out of here. <laughs> Then we go over to the other side, specifically Mystic Falls High School. And Stefan says, where the hell is Alaric? And Lexi says, I don't know. Maybe he finally found peace. Although if he did, I'm going to be super pissed he beat me. Don't worry, Lexi. There is no world in which he beat you to that. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan <laughs> says, why didn't you? I mean, if anyone was going to find peace, it should be you. And she says, you know, I don't know. She says, maybe there's something I'm still supposed to do. You know, like earn my stripes. We haven't talked about this in a while because peace has kind of been on the back burner. I think we've discussed this before, but how do you think someone gets to peace? Do you you think they earn it? Or do you, like, what do you think triggers the transition to peace? I've always thought that it was like feeling that you've completed your time on earth Mm -hmm. in some way or another. And I think, I, I still believe that. And I think even Lexi fits that bill that 
she's always been like trying to protect Stefan and to get Stefan out from the other side and like protect everybody in that way. Maybe she finally felt that she had done enough to protect him, you know? And I feel like it's the same with, you know, people that we've assumed have gone to peace. Pearl and Anna, that they, once they're kind of reunited and able to be with each other, they go to peace. You know, we'll get to Grams, Jenna, et cetera, that they like, if they have done what they feel like they needed to do. Mm -hmm. So that's my thought on it. Feeling like you've completed your time on it. Yeah, feeling like you've completed your time or feeling like you don't have to be there for people anymore. I think we've heard this Mm -hmm. from Alaric as well of like, how am I ever supposed to find peace if like, I still worry about these people that I left behind. Yeah. Stefan says to Lexi, all right, well, let's make a deal. If all this fails and you and I are stuck over here, we're not going to let whatever's happening to these people happen to us. We're going to find peace together. Stefan, you've got a long way to go before you'll find peace. you got a lot of demons. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan, I, I think you need to be serious about how within reach peace is for you. Yeah. <laughs> but Lexi doesn't hop on that, even though she probably is like, okay, dream big. Lexi's like, mm, you're certainly not going to get to peace the same time I am. Yeah. Lexi <laughs> says, if I go to peace at the same time as you, I'm going to be offended. Yeah, I'm significantly closer than you are. <laughs> she says, a death peace pact. I like it. Come on, let's go. I'd hate for you to miss your comeback to life window before you even had your first date with Caroline. And he says, shut it. Don't shut it. Keep going, girl. But he doesn't deny it. Mm-hmm. It's planted. The seed is planted. The seed is planted. She's done what she needs to do. <laughs> she, she could go to peace right now. Yeah, she said, I'm ready to go to peace. <laughs> I'm shipping Caroline. I found a blonde girl for him to be with instead of that boring ass Elena. We go over to the cemetery. Bonnie is in a mausoleum with Silas. He's teaching her the traveler spell. He corrects her. He says, I feel like I'm teaching calculus to an infant. <laughs> and she says, sorry, I'm a little bit nervous about unleashing a plague onto humanity. And he says, oh, I've been upgraded to a plague. How biblical and fitting <laughs> because I will probably kill a lot of people in an epic, all-inclusive way once I'm out of here. It's like, okay, well, you know, let's let's keep that under lock and key before you actually get out, buddy. Yeah, let's maybe <laughs> act like you're going to be nice. Yeah, let's let's pretend you're on a redemption arc, okay? It can't hurt you. <laughs> and he says, speaking of, how is my shadow self? Is it a crime for someone so good looking to be so sad all the time? It certainly should be, Silas. I do have to agree with you there. <laughs> if only it were. But, you know, one thing about me is I do be agreeing with Silas a lot of the time. One thing about me, you know, everyone here knows I'm a Stephen Gurley. Mm-hmm. I'll remain a Stephen Gurley till I die. But I do think he could use to lighten up Yeah, from time to time. You know, a Prozac couldn't hurt you, buddy. Let's just say that. (laughs) Bonnie says, just teach me the damn spell. Elena arrives with Liv. And Elena says, hey, did you find a traveler that's going to get us out of here? And Bonnie says, yep, learning the spell as we speak. I'd introduce you, but... And Elena says, thank you, whoever you are. And Silas says, oh, just the perfect specimen of man, that's all. And Bonnie says, it's a moody old lady. She's kind of senile. Which, like, if it was this poor old woman, she'd be like, senile? Hey. (laughs) Elena says, got it. Okay, well, I'm going to call Damon and let him know we're ready. Um, And she leaves Liv with Bonnie. We go into the tunnels under Mystic Falls. Matt and Jeremy are walking to the gas main. And Matt says, can we talk about the irony of us blowing up the only place dumb enough to hire us? Speak for yourself. I think Jeremy could get another job. Can we talk about how you clearly don't know what irony means? (laughs) It's This is just a bad decision. It's not ironic at all. Jeremy says, I'm sure the Salvators will make a generous contribution to help fix it. Matt says, yeah, if they can come home. No one ever said killing the Travelers would get rid of this anti-magic thing. First of all, they can send a check in the mail. Yeah. They can do a wire transfer. Matt says, although, Mystic Falls might be a half-decent place to live again. No more vampire attacks, crazy blood rituals. Safe, like it used to be. 
Okay, hater era. Well, I mean, was it a decent place to live before? You're in a bigger house now. If we've learned anything, it's that vampires can really settle wherever they want. I just feel like, Matt, haven't you come to accept now that the people in your life that you love are primarily vampires or at least magic? Like, you can move to another town, you can be in a town that's safer, but at the end of the day, the people you love will still be supernatural creatures. Yeah, you're kind of stuck with them at this point. Why be a hater about it at this point? Because if you were such a hater about it, you could have cut them off ages ago. Yeah, it's gotten away from you now. Yeah, you're on their team. (laughs) Jeremy says, yeah, except I wouldn't be able to invite my girlfriend over. And Jeremy, although he's being, you know, kind of specific about the example, this is something Mm -hmm. that is important where it's like, yeah, maybe there would be less vampire attacks, but we wouldn't have the people we love here. Yeah, and we're going to pick that. Yeah. Matt says there are worse things than having to visit your girlfriend at college on the weekends, Jeremy. It's called normal. Matt's like, get out of my house. (laughs) I mean, like Matt is kind of right. There are worse things than him having to go to college on the weekends. But one of those worst things is her never being able to come there. Yeah, exactly. They arrive at the gas line and they look at it. We go up to the grill. The travelers are partying and they are being very rude. They're being loud. They're drinking straight from bottles. They're making a mess. And all I have to say is that maybe if you had a little better etiquette, people would be more amenable to having you settle in their town. This is my same thing. I mean, yes, this is a spell to stop them from settling, but I don't think they've been helping matters. Yes. I think they they came and were, and someone was like, yeah, you know, you need a place to stay. You can stay with me for a little bit. And then they like tore the shit up, yeah. ate and drank all their food, left beanies everywhere. And they were like, mm, everyone in our house got sick. So we need you to leave. Yeah. And they're like, not another plague. Sure. A plague. Liz checks the time, and it is 6.42 p.m. We know that the plan is scheduled to start at 7. So she's like, "Ah, I better get out of here. Murkos approaches and says, I warned you they probably wouldn't give you the chance to speak. And Liz says, well, they don't seem to have a problem with the free food. (laughs) And she tries to leave, but he says, where are you going? And she says, okay, well, clearly I'm not going to have much of an impact here, so I think it's time I take my own orders and evacuate. Yeah, she's like, I don't want to hang out with you guys. And he says, we're not lawless, you know. It seems like you only obey the laws you like. So I think that's pretty much lawless for my like definition. You guys took over a whole town and now you're like eating them out of house and home. That's pretty lawless. He says, you know, we could use someone like you. Have a drink with me. Allow me to convince you this can still be your home. Number one, you killed a good chunk of townspeople. And again, her daughter is a vampire. You know this. Why do you want to work with her so bad? Also, you guys are like a nomadic society. Like you can't offer to pay her more. Yeah. Like what What exactly is in this for her? It, besides there not being witch magic, but she had no issue with witch magic. And they're not offering her anything except like, oh, we'll work with you. She doesn't want to work with you. You can't, it, you're not offering her shit. Like, you can stay here in this town that we took over and work for us while we tell you not to ever speak to us. Why would she take that? You're offering her a bad deal. Liz says, my home is a place my daughter can come visit. So goodbye. That's really all she needed to say. Yeah. And yet. He stops her and says, please, I insist. And it's a little unclear why he's doing this. At first, you would think that like. He knows something's up. Yeah, he's suspicious of her. But it takes him a while to get through that. I don't think he's actually suspicious at this point. I think he literally just like, I really don't know why he's doing this. I think he wants people to like him. I mean, I think maybe he wants to have the sheriff on his side so that they can move into town. But again, it's not something he needs. I don't know why he's bothering keeping her alive or trying to endear himself to her. I don't really understand the point of his thinking here. It's not something he needs and it's not something he's likely to get. 
So it's like, why are you like, you might as well just be partying with the open bar with everyone else. Exactly. Just enjoy the day a little bit. Yeah. Then we go out to the woods. Elena and Damon are hanging out. And Elena says, you good? And Damon says, Operation Massacre. Assuming Donovan knows the difference between a waterman and a gas main. Yeah, I'm good. I think he'll know when he opens it. But thanks for insulting his intelligence. Yeah, even Matt, I think, could figure that one out. (laughs) Damon says, hey, listen, I wanted to spare you the gory details. And I figured, well, I'll be lying. And then the whole point of saving the universe would be moot because you'd be pissed. So here it is. Project Kaboom needs someone to trigger the explosion, so to speak. And Elena says, okay. Wait, you? No, absolutely not. Why else would he bring this up? And you know what? He should have kept this to himself because all this did was slow him down. Yes, this was stupid of him to tell her. And again, I see what he's saying about lying, but you'll come back. Yeah. If you get your feet moving, but we'll discuss that later. And Damon says, okay, go with your first instinct, Damon. Lesson learned. She says, look at me, Damon. Do you see a future with me? Because that's all I see. And he says, Elena, I've seen it since the second I laid eyes on you. And she says, then don't go on a suicide mission. And he says, well, technically, it's only half a suicide mission because we're going to be bringing people back from the other side and I'm going to be with them. And it's like, okay, so we're all just going to pop over to the other side real quick at this point. Yeah. We're just all doing (laughs) it for fun at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone wants to die so fucking bad. Yeah. Elena says, what if something goes wrong? And Damon says, okay, not to relive old fights, but this is my choice and I need you to respect it. She says, that was a low blow. (laughs) She said, well, I don't like it when that's turned on me at all. (laughs) This is way more effective when I'm the one saying that. (laughs) He says, hey, I will make it back to you. I promise. They kiss. He says, I promise you. Well, don't promise things you can't guarantee. Let's just say Yeah, way to jinx it, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On the other side, Enzo is sitting outside the mausoleum in the wind. So he's, you know, feeling like something might get sucked up soon. So he says, everything all right in there? Bonnie comes out and she says, we're good, but Silas is a crappy mentor, FYI. The wind gets stronger and louder and Enzo says, it's back. Silas walks out and he says, she's ready. Let's get on with it. Referring to Liv, who now knows the spell. Enzo starts blowing against a tree. He grabs a tree. Silas also blows into a tree. He grabs it. Enzo says, help me. Bonnie grabs him. Silas reaches for Bonnie and Bonnie reaches out her hand to Silas as he's starting to lift up. She can't quite reach him, but then she says, bygones. And she takes her hand away and up he goes. And you know what? You taught the spell and then you went outside. So that's on you. Stand Bonnie for this. She said, "Mm, no, you've done enough. Yeah, that's the thing. This is on Silas because if I'm Silas, you know what I'm doing? I'm keeping my hand on Bonnie's hand for this entire afternoon. You will not get even a little bit of space from me. I'm going to be right there. Every moment. If I blow away, you're coming with. If I blow away, I hope you like flying. So anyway, he goes up into the air, as we've seen many people go before. And you have been making an argument each time someone goes up into the air that they are actually heading for peace. Do you still think that, knowing knowing that Silas got sucked up? We can talk about the other things later. But let's talk about Silas specifically now. No, I mean, this is definitely hurting that belief (laughs) because, well, okay. Uh, Maybe not. (laughs) Okay, let's let's do it. Do your little cartwheel. Let's get my flip-flops on because I'm going to flip and flop. Yeah. So on one hand, he didn't really want to be sucked up. He wasn't happy with the way this situation went. It doesn't seem like a peaceful way to go. But he wants to be with his true love. And his true love is decidedly not on the other side. And, you know, his ideal was to be alive to, I guess, get back at people for that. But, you know, if he's not on the other side, maybe he's headed to where Murr is. 
Now, I think that's wishful thinking on his part, but potentially that could be enough to get peace. I think that's a reach, to be sure. I think it's quite a reach. Because <laughs> you just argued that to get to peace, you had to like feel like you completed your time on Earth. And he seemed very you know, excited to get back to Earth. He didn't seem like he'd completed his time at all. He wanted to go back and kill some more people. Yeah, but it's like Cole wanting to go back and kill people. Like, is that really a purpose? I guess if that's your purpose, that's your purpose. Mm-hmm. We didn't see Cole at all this episode, mind exactly. you. Exactly. We so don't know what he's up to. So maybe he got sucked up. So you're not willing to let go of the fact that this is peace yet? I'm not willing to let go. Well, okay. I think in totality, this plus the things we see later make it seem that it is not peace that they're going yeah. to. Sure. This by itself does not fully make that impossible, but I do think once we get through the episode, it seems like it's not peace. Where do you think he's going then? I guess I should say, do you think everyone who's getting sucked up is going to the same place? Or do you think they might go different places? I'm assuming they're all going to the same place. Where do you think that is now? So there are obviously a couple options, you know. The other, other side. (laughs) I mean, kind of. So, (laughs) you know, we have this peace place that we have enough evidence that it's different. The wind place and the other side. Okay. So the wind place could just be hell. I find that, again, I find the possibility of it being hell difficult because of just the range of people that are getting pulled and going over there and it doesn't seem super targeted. Like, why would that be the way hell works out? It could be that it brings them to not necessarily peace, but to like some level of purgatory that is like beyond the realm we're in. We know that Ketsia created the other side. Mm -hmm. We don't know what was there before. It may be that there is this purgatory system that is kind of what was already in nature. And she put like the other side as a stopgap almost. Yeah. So that there is this like other, other side. Yeah. Or it could be that, you know, they're going to wherever humans go. Like we have to entertain that possibility that the other side was just like something she put for supernatural creatures. And before that, supernatural creatures just went, if they found peace, they get to go to peace. If they didn't find peace, they have to go deal with all the humans again. Do you think peace is shared by humans and supernatural creatures? Or do you think they have separate pieces? I've kind of assumed that peace is just for supernatural creatures. Okay. And that maybe humans have their own. Maybe humans don't get another realm because they aren't magical. I know that's kind of a depressing thing as a human that I'm like, no, we just we just get nothing. As we are human. <laughs> yeah. Back in the mausoleum, Liv lights some candles. She prepares. She like cries a little bit because, you know, her brother was just murdered in front of her. Let's not forget. Yeah. She looks at her phone to check the time and it's 6.59. So she starts the spell at 6.59. Let's keep that in mind. The one person in town on time. The one person with respect for punctuality. Yeah, who actually followed the plan you all set forth. Luke watches and says, you can do this, Liv. And also, this is so funny because this confirms that witches can do traveler magic. But travelers can't seem to do witch magic. No wonder the travelers are so sour. I'd be pissed off too. (laughs) It just seems that like whenever this kism happened, the witches got everything and the travelers got nothing. Yeah. I mean, I get that you would want to get back at them for that, but you just decided to leave and lost everything. So in what world do you think you're going to successfully get revenge? Like, it just doesn't seem like that's really for you guys. It just seems like let this one go. You lost. This life isn't for you guys. Maybe in the next realm, maybe that one will be yours. Yeah. I doubt it. They fail pretty epically multiple times. Some goals are not worth working towards. You got no one to give up. At the grill, or I guess in town, the clock tower strikes seven. 
So Matt opens the gas line and says, seven on the dot. Let's go. Jeremy opens another pipe on the gas line just to have as much gas as possible. At the cemetery, Bonnie looks at the graves of the Bennett ancestors. And she says, come on, Grams, where are you? Grams approaches and says, didn't I teach you not to rush your elders? We move a little slower. And Bonnie says, oh, my God, thank God. I found us all the way out. And Graham says, you think I was born yesterday? I know what you're doing. You can't survive all these people coming through you. And even if you could, when it's all said and done, you're still the anchor. And when this place goes away, she doesn't finish that sentence, but obviously she means you're dying, bitch. I know. Grams is like, look, I saw everybody else not ask these questions today, but I'm smarter than them. Like, I know that this is not working well for you. Bonnie says, I know what you're about to say. And Graham says, no, you don't. I was going to say that it's been my privilege to watch you grow into the beautiful woman you've become. And Bonnie says, you need to pass through me when the ritual begins. And Graham says, no, I don't. I'm staying here. <laughs> Graham says, uh, I don't have to do anything you tell me. Bonnie says, Grams, you can't. This place is imploding and taking everyone with it. And Graham says, I can't come, Bonnie. You're not the only member of this family who knows how to make a sacrifice. Bonnie says, what does that mean? And Graham says, it means I'm going to be fine. I found peace because I made sure that you'll find yours. And Bonnie says, I don't understand. And Graham says, that's not your concern. Just know I looked out for you. I love you, Bonnie. You stay strong. Now, this is something that I think provides a, a ray of hope. Do you want to talk about it now? Or do you want to save it for the end of the episode? I'll save it for the end of the episode. Bonnie says, I love you too. They hug. Grams walks off and appears to like fade a bit, but is not sucked up. Well, there is kind of like a yellow glow that yes. she walks into as well, which looks significantly more peaceful than looks pretty peaceful. the wind option. <laughs> and I mean, Grams also said, I found peace. So do you think Grams is headed to peace? Yeah. Well, and this also pulls out a section of what I've been saying, that there is when you're ready to move on, because she's kind of like, I found peace. And as we get to the next one, it's kind of the same situation. It's a little bit of a choice there. Mm -hmm. Stefan and Lexi appear because they're ready for the party to start. Mm -hmm. At the grill, the travelers continue to party. Liz Forbes is still sitting with Marcos. She gets a call from Damon, but declines it and flips her phone over. And Marcos says, third phone call in five minutes. Number one, he is eating like a plate of broccoli. You are the worst partier in the world. And also, if the, if the town's evacuated, who's cooking? Yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Because I, I know y'all can't cook. Because you can't do anything. He has no idea what broccoli is. They've been eating Twinkies for years. Yeah. Liz says, what am I doing here? And Marcos says, you know, I was wondering the same thing. Well, you made her stay for a drink. But yeah. that's not what he's talking about. He says, <laughs> you know, you evacuated the town, yet you stayed to lecture us on our civic duties. And she says, well, the captain goes down with the ship. He says, or you're up to something. He does no critical thinking beyond that statement, by the way. Now, Marcos, great start of a thought. You want to do anything about that? You want to finish the thought? You want to consider what she might be up to, anything? And then Liz pulls a smart move here, because I do think Liz is explaining everything away perfectly, but he's just, he just wants to keep her here, obviously. Yeah. As a show of power, more than anything. Yeah. Uh, so she pulls a really smart move where she says, do you smell gas? She knows there is gas. She's like, I just need to separate him a little bit. Yeah. She brings him to like the back room and she says, I think there's a leak coming from the hatch. There's a vent that goes into the tunnels there. He goes in front of her to look. Marcos is the king of turning his back to people who actively want to attack him. He is the easiest to kill villain we have ever seen. There have been multiple times that I'm like, I would have killed him right then. Exactly. She hits him with the gun and knocks him out. She hits him like three times, which is pretty great. He looks knocked out. What she should do is shoot him once in the head for good measure. Yeah. I think she doesn't want to kill someone for no reason, although I think she has a good enough reason to kill him. Or at least, like, 
I don't think you have to shoot him in the head, but I think shoot him like three times in the stomach. So then he doesn't die before the fire starts. Yeah. So you can still use his power, but you know, definitely weaken him. Yeah. And I get that maybe she doesn't want to shoot him because if the travelers hear the gunshot, they'll come investigating. That is true. Regardless, I think she should separate herself from his body. Maybe push a couple boxes on him and just say, go now, Damon, and just run outside of the grill as fast as possible. Yeah. But she stands right there by him. She texts Damon, they're here, go now. Marcos pops up and grabs her ankle. We leave them there. We go over to the border of Mystic Falls. Damon is sitting on the hood of his car drinking bourbon, like as if he has nowhere to be. Also, buddy, is it seven or is it not seven? This is the whole thing. I understand you want to wait for the go signal that they're all there, but like you all agreed on seven. You just have to assume that the plan is still the same and go. And I know he's been trying to call Liz, so I get it. He finally gets a text from the sheriff, the one she just sent that says, they're here, go now. It's 7.06. So mind you, Liv's been now doing this spell for seven minutes. Mm -hmm. So that's seven minutes that you could have used to bring people back if you were all punctual. Yeah. The thing is, I know he wanted to call Liz, but if she doesn't answer three times, like, sorry, you got to go through with the plan. You have to assume she's like been taken by Marcos. Well, and also, I mean, I know that they don't want to put Matt or Jeremy there because it makes it more suspicious, but it couldn't kill them to have like Matt or Jeremy go up to the grill in a beanie and a brown jacket and look for Liz and make sure she gets out. Or just have them parked across the square and confirm if travelers are in there or not, and just, like, leave it on Liz to get out. I'm sorry, she's the sheriff. Like, she can be left alone. And I know we don't want her to get stuck in there, but, like, that's what happens, and she's fine. So it's like... Yeah, she can take care of herself. We just have to get this spell moving. It's like your one shot to do this. Like, you just kind of have to power through it and, like, hope that everyone else got on their plan. And if they didn't, that's something else. I do think the best thing Liz could have done is get the party started and leave without talking to Marcos. Yeah, she could have completely snuck out. And then he can assume that he just can't find her. And obviously he doesn't have the brain power to assign any suspicion to that behavior. Well, also because it wouldn't be weird if she just like left. She doesn't like you guys. Yeah, exactly. He gets in his car finally, Damon. And then Elena gets in the passenger seat. So then we have like a two minute conversation. So at this point it's what, 7.08? At this point, Liv has probably been doing it 10 minutes. It's not fair. And oh my God, Elena cannot keep her ass away from a car crash. She is obsessed with surviving car crashes. It's like, oh my God, I need you to get out of the fucking car. I understand that this is like, I love him so much. I want to die with him. This is so unbelievably unnecessary. (laughs) How many fucking boyfriends or ex-boyfriends do you need to die with? You've done it with Matt and Damon now. Do you want to do it with Stefan too? Yeah, really close out the trifecta. (laughs) Damon says, what are you doing? And Elena says, you said to respect your choice. And I did. Now you can respect mine. This is why this logic is always bad to say because it always backfires on you. Yeah, this logic always backfires because guess what? Someone else is going to make a a dumb choice in response. Let's normalize not respecting people's choices. Let's normalize helping our friends make better choices. No, I'm sorry. Throw Elena out of the car. Why have a convertible if you're not going to do that? Literally snap her neck, throw her at the side of the road and crash. By the time she's up, everything will be taken care of. It's just, you know what? I don't respect Elena's choices. Sometimes she needs choices made for her. And that's true of anyone on this show, by the way. It's not just Elena. Sometimes you people need feedback. Well, and it is just, it's just classic Elena. She's got to insert herself at the 11th hour. All she did was slow down the plan. So when you're crying about how Damon isn't back, guess who gave two extra minutes that you no longer have? It's you, girl. On my Elena hater high horse. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. Damon says, no, that's not how this works, Elena. Okay, the second we cross that border, you're going to feel everything drown all over again. It's going to take you back to the night you died a human. And the night she was in a car crash because, you know, she's drowned multiple times at this point. Yeah. Or at least started to. She says, I know what I signed up for and I'm all in. And then she says, what are you staring at? Drive. And at least to Damon's credit, he hits the gas at this point. Yeah, because he's like, we've already wasted too much time. Like, well, we're already like 10 minutes late. Yeah. Hopefully Liv's still doing the spell. Yeah. If I was Liv, I'd be doing it for 10 minutes. I'm like, well, it must have worked. Yeah. He drives into town pretty fast. They get close to the grill. Elena says, hurry, we have to die while we're still vampires, because that's how they will get to the other side. She starts drowning, so he, you know, hits on the gas a little harder. They look at each other, and she says, Damon, and he says, I know. They hold hands, and he crashes into the grill, and it explodes, big fire. So, step one, just a little bit late, but otherwise, good job. (laughs) At the mausoleum, Liv is continuing the spell, and Luke says, keep going, because I can tell you nothing's happened out there yet. Yeah, because- It's like, we're still waiting. Yeah. At the cemetery, Bonnie is standing outside and a big bunch of travelers approach her, led by Marcos. So he's pissed. (laughs) They look like the ensemble from The Boys Are Back in High School Musical 3. There's one guy with a bandana (laughs) over his head. There's one guy in a leather trench. It's a full-length burgundy leather trench that is, like, closed and tied. It's like, what were you doing in that bar? (laughs) What is that look for? (laughs) Were you not sweating? (laughs) Marcos says, we meet again. We can do this all day, Bonnie. Your friends kill me and I come right back through you. I look forward to the deja vu. Big words from some guy who's about to be sucked up into the sky. Yeah, we'll see, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) The travelers start passing through her. Spell continues. Elena comes up to Bonnie ready to pass through. And Bonnie says, did it work? Are you? And Elena says, yes. Did Damon? Damon appears and he says, I'm right here. And Bonnie says, okay. When you guys pass through me, you're going to wake up with your bodies on the other side. You need to get back here as fast as you can. Damon didn't hear a lick of that. Yeah, for some reason that didn't sink in. <laughs> uh, so they pass through. And they wake up at the grill. Elena takes a moment to linger looking at her burnt up body. It is burnt to hell. He said, damn. He said, ew. <laughs> and then Alaric is there and he says, you seriously wear your seatbelt? He waited until the last fucking second here. We have not seen him in a while. And so it was a little bit of fear for a second there, maybe for people who weren't so sure as Stephanie. Oh, yeah, I wasn't scared at all. I said, he'll come eventually. He said, he'll be here. It's going to take him a second. I knew they were like, they wanted me to think maybe Alaric found peace. I don't. I wouldn't have bought that for a second, Julie. Not Alaric Saltzman. That man has never known a day of peace in his goddamn life. And he won't. (laughs) Why start Um, now? Yeah. Elena says, oh my God, Alaric, like, what are you doing here? And it's like, and he says, come on, we got to go. We don't need to talk right now. What do you think I'm doing here? I want to come back to life. Let's fucking go. Elena says, wait, what about Damon? And Alaric says, you need to go home to your brother. I'll find Damon. Elena, get out of here. Go. She goes. But let's be totally honest, Elena. Let's study physics. You know where the car crashed? Look out the window. I bet that's where Damon is. I don't think it's that hard to find. Like, let's just get it moving. There's two of you. You can go grab Damon wherever he is. That will be faster than what you end up doing. And again, and this is because Elena joined this plan last minute. You all should have said, let's just all agree. Let's meet at Bonnie. Let's not try to find people before. Let's just get to Bonnie fast. Really, they should have all just gone through one by one. They should have been sitting like, no, we have to wait till Damon gets here. Because then you have enough of you out there to, one, make sure Liv is still doing the spell. Yeah. And two, 
like, I don't know, just hang out. That's the thing. These dumbasses, as soon as Luke passed, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves. As soon as Luke passes through, someone should have been on Luke watch. Yeah. Also, if you guys do it one by one, maybe you won't overwhelm Bonnie so damn much by all going through in a row. Let's spread it out. Do one, take a beat, do another one. Like, come on. Yeah. Damon is on the ground in the back. He ended up next to Murkos's body and the sheriff's body. So he really flew through that. He did not wear his seatbelt. <laughs> I think maybe it would have been smart if he wore his seatbelt because then they would have known they stayed together. But again, they didn't have time to discuss those parts of the plan because Elena joined it last minute for no apparent reason. Marcos's body is all burnt up, but then he sees the sheriff and she's not burnt up. Slay, you can't keep a bad bitch down. Yeah. Fire said, my queen. They said, I won't touch you, girl. <laughs> this whole episode, I was like, oh, Liz is going to actually start the fire. So then she'll die. It'll be her way of sacrificing. And so I was like mentally prepared. I was like, okay, Liz, you know, it was your time. You were the last parent left. We like, we had to do another one. So I was like, she's dead. Like I didn't even think a second to think maybe she wasn't. But Damon says, Liz, no, there's like a beam that has fallen near her. Mm -hmm. That isn't even on her body. So I don't really know why they're moving it. I think it's about to fall. It like would fall on her. Yeah, with enough time. So he lifts it up. He looks up and Rick is helping him lift it. They free her body. It looks kind of dead at that point. And then, again, it's social hour. Rick says, friendly advice. When you finally get the girl, don't blow her up. Damon says, good to see you too, buddy. Can we walk and talk? You guys got the beam up. Like, here's the thing. I know you want to check that Liz is okay. Can you go come back to life first and then you can come check on her? Because what are you going to do if she's not, if she's like literally dead right now? You just wasted time. Yeah, literally come back to life and say, Jeremy and Matt, can you go check on the sheriff? I left her here. She looked unconscious. Go get her quick. Yeah. We see the sheriff grunt and wake up so we know she's alive. And Rick says, I think she's going to be okay. Let's walk, boys. Yeah, let's get moving. Put a little pep in your step. You're so happy to see your best friend walk together. Yeah. We go back over to the mausoleum. The spell is continuing, but Liv has a nosebleed now. So obviously, you know, it's hurting her. Because now she's been doing this for 20 minutes. Yeah. Luke runs out to Bonnie and says, Bonnie, it's too much for her. We need to start now. A crowd has accumulated of Luke, Tyler, Stefan, Lexi, Enzo. I think that's everyone who's there right now. Stefan says, no, we all go together. Damon's not here yet. And Luke says, I don't care and passes through. Good for him. Yeah. Luke says, I don't give a shit as he should. He said, y'all killed me earlier today. I don't have any loyalty to you. Yeah. He's like, I'm pissed at you guys. So he goes to Liv and he says, hey, Liv, I'm here. She cries happy tears. And Luke says, you need to stop now. If you keep going, it's going to kill you. But Liv says, no, I promise I'd help them. So she keeps going with the spell. And, you know, I know that he's not happy with the situation because they killed him today. He could also start doing the spell and kind of take some of the pressure off her. He doesn't know the spell, though. He's been sitting there listening to it. How? I mean, that's true. I guess he could do it. <laughs> I feel like he could. Maybe he couldn't. Maybe because he wasn't there when it started. I feel like it couldn't hurt him to hold her hand and help. I feel like he doesn't want to help them. So he like doesn't do that. But I do yeah. think it would. To be fair, it, because they did kill him earlier. So yeah. I don't blame him for having a sour yeah, I, taste in his mouth. I get, I get why he wouldn't help. But I think it would have been nice if he did. It would have been <laughs> helpful to live since she's obviously going to continue the spell. Yeah. So he might as well have jumped in. But that's me. I get why he does what he does. Bonnie says to everyone, you need to come through. And Tyler says, what about everyone else? And Enzo says, don't tell me twice. And he passes through. <laughs> yeah, he's like, mm, I no, Luke had the right call there. 
And so it says, I see how long the list is going. And if Luke's going, like, obviously, we're not self-respecting hierarchy of the group. So I'm going. Obviously, the ranking is out the window right now. So I'm just going to take my spot. Yeah. Caroline walks up to, you know, see everyone return. And Enzo sees Caroline and says, see you around, gorgeous. And he heads out. Yeah, he's like, I've had enough of this. He said, I'm going to go to Cape Horn for a week or two. <laughs> Bonnie groans and Tyler passes through. So Tyler had no problem cutting the line either. Good for him, though. <laughs> he's like, look, I don't have to wait for Damon. <laughs> yeah, Tyler like looked back at Stefan and Lexi and said, well, <laughs> someone's got to go next. So <laughs> Caroline says, Tyler, and he says, yeah, it's me. And they hug. And then he says, whoa, hey, that hug felt different. Okay. Sure. Why not? He's like, wow, that hug was distinctly not heightened. Yeah. <laughs> Caroline says, what do you mean? Bonnie looks at him too, because she's distracted by this. Tyler grabs a dirty rock off the ground and he cuts his hand. If you're not sure if you can heal, let's start with something a little cleaner. Let's start with a sanitized blade. For a second, it looks like he's going to cut his hand on like the rusty fence. I thought, I thought he was going to stick his hand on it. Oh, don't give yourself tetanus just to see. (laughs) And she says, you're not healing. And Tyler says, I'm not a hybrid anymore. So we can assume that this means he doesn't have any vampire tendencies because we saw him die by crossing over the border. So what I want to ask about this is, do you think Tyler is an active werewolf or do you think he has reverted to not having triggered the curse at this point? That we don't know. Yeah, that is a super good question because I didn't really clock the difference being that he died as he went over the threshold. Because, I mean, I do want to bring that up because we don't know what happened to everyone else who passed over. It seems like everyone else is what they died as. Yeah. Which is to say vampires, because even though Elena went over the border, she didn't die after going over the border. She died, a vampire, burning up. In an explosion. Yes. You know, we have to consider like what which magic is and i think because the werewolf gene is it's not a gene technically but it's you know we know it's passed down yeah we've referred to it as a gene yeah we haven't really ever touched on the origin of werewolves and where they came from no i guess we haven't because werewolves existed by the time the originals existed so we've never gotten like they were made by a spell so i think we have to assume the werewolf gene was still there, and so technically he's still an active werewolf because it doesn't undo his death. So next full moon, he will be turning, you think? Yeah, he's going to be mad about that. And we don't really discuss, like, if Alaric remains a vampire as he was when he died or if he's back to human, but based on what happens to Stefan, Elena, Enzo, Luke even, because he can still do magic, Mm -hmm. I think we can assume that everyone's magic has stayed the same with the exception of Tyler. Yeah. Back on the other side, the people who are left are Elena, Lexi, Stefan. Damon and Alec, but they're not there yet. Yeah. But Elena and Lexi and Stefan are who Bonnie's talking to. Bonnie says, okay, guys, we don't have much time. Grab my hand. And Lexi says, okay, you have to go. Stefan says no. Oh, and then Elena appears. So she wasn't there. Mm -hmm. My bad. Elena says, I can't find Damon. Stefan says, you go. I'll wait here. And Elena says, no, I'm not leaving without him. And Bonnie said, "Uh, it's not your call anymore, bitch. Yeah. Stefan says, this place is falling apart. Elena says, no. Bonnie grabs Elena. Which, frankly, is what Bonnie should have been doing. She's like, grab them all. Just touch all these people. Obviously, they're dilly-dallying. They'll thank you later. Exactly. Or they won't because you'll be dead. So they won't be mad at you either. Yeah, who cares? Nothing to lose. (laughs) Caroline says, oh my God, Elena, thank God. And Elena says, Bonnie, why would you do that? I can't leave without him. And Bonnie says, we'll find him. Caroline says, what's going on? Who are we missing? Where's Stefan? Bonnie starts coughing up blood. 
And this makes her fall over a bit. And she falls into Stefan and he <laughs> passes through by that. And he says, yeah. oh, no, I, I'm sorry. She she fell. <laughs> and Caroline says, what's wrong? <laughs> Who else are we even waiting for? Yeah, Caroline's like, I think we got everybody we need. <laughs> Caroline says, what's wrong? And Stefan says, Damon, he's not there yet. And Elena says, this isn't happening. Again, girl, why'd you get in that damn car? <laughs> you could have had the same freak out just standing by Bonnie. You didn't need to do a whole car crash for it. Bonnie says, it's okay, I can do this. Elena cries. Girl, let's pull it together for a minute. I think Bonnie's going through a little bit more than you. Yeah, and frankly, right now, Bonnie's saying she can do it. You can cry after. The only thing stopping Bonnie from having Damon pass through is him walking over there. Yeah, so it's really on Damon right now. Yeah. On the other side, Lexi calls out to Bonnie and says, Bonnie, this is killing you, isn't it? And Bonnie says, I can hold on. I have to. Just come through. We have to finish this. And Marcos comes out of nowhere and says, not just yet. He's just fucking running right up. Like all the other travelers are dilly-dallying because they're like, we don't really care that much. We had one good day of partying. It's really all we asked for. Yeah. They're like, I started looking into buying a home. Real estate prices are insane. (laughs) They're like, Marcos, none of us have any money. I bought this backpack 40 years ago. And they're like, Marcos, you know, I don't know a ton about the law. But I don't think we can just take whatever home we want. They're like, you know, now that we're all here and drinking, like, I think home was just the people you're with all along. I used to hear that saying, home is where the heart is. And I think I understand it now. You know, maybe home is the friends we made along the way. And, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn or anything, but what the fuck is Marcos ever saying? Are you guys understanding him? Because I'm not. And I've just been too scared to say it. And they're like, you know what? No, I've never been seeing it either. Like, this was our leader. I miss Sloane. Hey, do you guys think if we get sucked up into the sky, we'll see Sloane again? I loved her. (laughs) She was so fun. So Lexi punches Marcos and she tackles him. Slaying till the end. They fight. The wind pulls Marcos. The wind doesn't like rear itself up. That wind wants Marcos this time, it seems. It's going and Lexi just says, just gives him a little push. She barely has to push. She says, bye. So Marcos, can you make an argument for him going to peace? No, he's not. I mean, not only does he not deserve peace, but he is actively getting something he doesn't want. Yeah. Like, he's the only one I cannot even come up with a reason for. Yeah. And then to even further shit on your theory that being pulled up is peace, Bonnie says, Lexi, come on, it's your turn. And Lexi says, every person that passes through you takes you one step closer to death. What kind of best friend would I be if you died before Stefan got his brother back? And so Lexi holds out her arms and says, you're not going to get me. The wind does not pull her up, but she does disappear. And there's kind of a little bit of a glow off to the side, but we don't see anything strong enough. So that looks kind of similar to what happened to Grams and kind of implies peace. Yeah, implies peace and implies very much like I'm making the call, like this is how I'm going to go out. Like I'm going to go out protecting someone. And now I'm like ready to let them be. And in a way, like trusting that Stefan doesn't need her anymore. Because I think she's always been afraid this whole time. This is why she's been on the other side, mm-hmm. is that she needs to be there to help Stefan. And now it's almost like by her sacrificing herself so Damon can potentially go, it's like she trusts Damon to take care of Stefan now, which she never did before. Yeah, that she trusts that there is someone who can watch out for him. Because every time before, she's like taught Elena how to bring him back in humanity. Let's be honest. Elena didn't take that lesson all the way. Yeah, she didn't trust Elena to be the one to take care of her. But now she knows that not only does Stefan have Damon, He's got Caroline. And I think last time she saw like 
the beginnings of Steriline, but she could tell that Stefan was not even remotely close to getting there yeah. and that Caroline wasn't even really there either. So mm-hmm. she was like, you know what? It's not safe yet. And I think now she's like, okay, you know what? Like, finally, it's enough that I feel like he is capable of being there and doing this. Exactly. This is how you sacrifice yourself like a queen. Enjoy peace, girly. You've earned it. You've earned it and then some. You go back to the mausoleum. Liv is still doing the spell. Still got that nosebleed going on. And then on the other side, Alaric and Damon just leech walk through the woods. They are fucking walking so slow up to this. Like, there's not even a little bit of a light jog. Oh, it pissed me off bad. Bonnie says, thank God. And she immediately grabs Rick. Great move. She should have grabbed both their arms, just like she did with Damon and Elena the first time. But you know what? Hindsight's 2020. Mm-hmm. In the mausoleum, Luke says, screw those guys. I won't let you die for them. And to Luke's, you know, credit, they've been taking their sweet ass time. He gave them a good amount of time. Again, they just left him in there in the mausoleum. Someone should be with him. Yeah. Like, I understand why Enzo didn't do it. I understand why Tyler didn't do it. Elena, go be on Luke duty. Yeah, you're the one who's so concerned about whether Damon will come out. Go make sure the spell's going well. Elena can't really control where Damon is. She can't control any of the things that's happening on the other side. What she can control is making sure that she is set up for success over here. Go be on witch duty. Caroline should do it too, because she's, I mean, Caroline's live. She should do it. I think Caroline has less familiarity and less like urgency with this than Stefan and Elena. So I think this is a Stefan and Elena job, particularly an Elena job. Yes. Did they have no contingency plan for if Luke went out ahead of them? Why would they assume Luke would be like, I'll wait in line. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you guys want me to, I'll pass. No, of course he's going to go through first. And I guess, you know, they're not really watching Liv, so they don't know what's hurting her, but they've seen big spells like this. They have to assume this is something that could go wrong for Liv and that, like, they're on a fixed time schedule. So, you know, let's just watch the two of them. I'm not saying, like, it's many people's fault ahead of this, but Bonnie also should have said, Someone go check on Liv when you're out. Yeah. Because I know that this spell can, like, I personally know this spell can help. Granted, they shouldn't have needed Bonnie to tell them that. Yeah. Bonnie is doing enough already. She shouldn't have to do that as well. But, you know, she's working with some stinkers here. Yeah. Elena should have gone into the mausoleum instead of crying before he even died. Because you just had to get in the car again. Again. (laughs) You just had to get in a car crash. She said, I keep getting in car crashes with water. I've never gotten one with fire. Be a different experience. (laughs) It's all the fun of driving off Wickery Bridge and burning down my house put into one event. Maybe I'll finally reach that high again. Yeah. <laughs> Luke does a spell to stop live spell. Yeah, he just basically burns out uh, or blows out all the candles and blocks her. On the other side, again, Damon feels like chatting. It's social hour. He says, where's Elena? And Bonnie says, she made it through. And Damon says, okay. Damon, you took 10 minutes to get here. She already made it out. Don't you think she got here before you? You were dilly You were walking. <laughs> Damon's like, well, I thought they'd wait for me. <laughs> she grabs him, but he's not going anywhere. He's still there. She tries again, and he says, well, would you look at that? In the mausoleum, Elena finally comes in to check on the mausoleum. She should have done this about five minutes ago. Yeah. She calls for Liv. It's empty. She says, no, no, no. Bonnie comes in, and Elena says, Bonnie, we need to find them because we need to start the spell again. And Bonnie's like, that's not really something we can do. Bonnie says, that was kind of a one shot. <laughs> and Elena says, yeah, but Damon's on the other side. We have to. And Bonnie says, oh, Damon's on the other side. Bonnie's like, I respect that reasoning. We're kind of past that situation, though. Bonnie says, it's too late. Elena starts crying. She says, no. Bonnie turns and Damon's watching. So Bonnie says, he's here so you can say goodbye. 
She leaves. Damon looks at Elena. She can't see him. Elsewhere in the cemetery, Stefan sits on a bench and Caroline sits with him. Stefan says, I lost them both. The two people I've known longest in this world, both gone. And Caroline says, okay, Lexi, because I wasn't there. I don't know all the other people who were there. <laughs> she's like, she's like, so I know one of them's Damon. Uh, who's the other one? <laughs> <laughs> Stefan says, she never came out. Neither did Marcos. I know that's not a coincidence. It was her unfinished business. And Damon, you know, he finally had everything he wanted. He was happy. He should be here. He cries. Caroline hugs him. It is truly, truly dastardly for Julie Pleck, two episodes before the season ends, to kill Stefan. And then as soon as he comes back, she says, fuck you, and kills Damon. Because <laughs> you know everyone was watching it like, no, not Stefan. Like, bring oh, Stefan no, back. Stephen. Bring Stefan back. And she said, fine i'll bring <laughs> Stefan back for a price <laughs> she's so evil we go back into the mausoleum elena is still crying one thing that is so admirable about nina dobrev as an actress is she allows herself to be an ugly crier no one on riverdale would dare she's mm-hmm. like no because if my boyfriend died i would be crying this ugly like mm-hmm. she's just so true to her acting emmy when she says you lied to me and damon says even if i wanted to apologize you couldn't hear me so I won't. She cries. She says, please don't leave me. And he says, I don't have a choice, baby. I want to comment on this scene because there's an online rumor that this scene was filmed close to their breakup so that it's emotional. But I don't think the timeline lines up here. I think that's a hoax rumor. I think we decided they broke up because we looked it up kind of at the beginning of the season. I think they broke up somewhere between seasons four and five. Yeah. And I think from what I understand of the breakup, and of course we'll never understand a lot because they are private people with their own lives. What I understand about the breakup, it was pretty one and final. Like it wasn't like back and forth for a while. Yeah. But listeners, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. From my understanding of it, and again, I don't have a lot of this because I avoid the behind the scenes stuff, but my understanding was very much like she didn't want to get married. He did. And it was like, okay, well. That's that. We're not going to change our minds on that. So we'll go. That's also what I heard. Damon says, you are by far the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my 173 years on this earth. The fact that I get to die knowing I was loved not just by anyone, but by Elena Gilbert is the epitome of a fulfilled life. Elena falls to the ground, continues crying. Even though she missed that stunner of a speech. I mean, look, I'm not. It's the same situation I was in a couple weeks ago. I'm not concerned about this in the grand scheme, and maybe that's being overly optimistic. But this was deeply sad. It still got to me. It is very sad. I do think watching this live, oh, the way I would have been sobbing. You assume that Damon is going to come back. And once he comes back, like, basically, they're going to get right back together, right? Yeah. Well, let's not go that far. Do you think anything could get in the way of that? I do think some of the issues are, like, she's going to lean on Stefan in this situation. Elena will. Um, I do also know that at some point, people do kind of ship Damon and Bonnie. I assumed that was after Elena left, but I also know enough about that ship to not be concerned. And I can say why, if you would like me to. Why? I know they never kiss. Okay. I'm not too concerned about it on Damon's side. I'm more concerned about it on Elena's side. Sure. And don't get me wrong. I don't think they're going to like immediately come back. We'll talk about timelines at the end of the episode when we talk about next season predictions. Damon says, it's never going to get any better than this. I peaked. Watching her sob on the ground, it's never going to get better than this. I know what he's saying. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and good for Damon. He said, life's not going to get better. So I'm going to walk nice and slow. And if I die, I die. Yeah. (laughs) Then I can't fuck it up. 
He says, I love you, Elena. She cries. She says, please come back to me. And he says, bye. He says, well, I'm going to go. He says, well, later. (laughs) There's not really anything for me to do right here. You can't hear me. Yeah, you can't hear me. At the cemetery, Bonnie makes a call. She gets on her damn phone and she calls Jeremy and says, hey, here's the thing, King. It was all a lie. There was never a way for me to stop being the anchor. When the other side goes, I go with it. You know, I'm, I respect that she said, well, now that we're done with that, I guess I'll tell you this. Jeremy says, you told me you could come back. Bonnie says, I did this incredible thing called lying. She said, <laughs> I just told you I lied. That's what that was. She says, if I would have told you the truth, it would have changed our last days together. And I didn't want it to change. We were happy. And Jeremy's like, well, I'm not happy right now. <laughs> and Jeremy says, so none of it was true. She's like, yeah, pretty much. Like, did I stutter? Do you know what lying means? (laughs) He says, okay, Bonnie, don't move. I'm coming to you. Bonnie says, I died, Jeremy. I died the day before graduation and the rest of this has been a gift. And I choose to be thankful that I didn't waste a second of it. So take care of Elena. Good clarity, girl. It it was lucky to get this extra time and the time's up, it appears. She is like ready to go. I mean, she's had plenty of time to make peace with the fact that she's going to die. Yeah. Or so she thinks. <laughs> he says, don't you dare hang up on me. She says, I love you and hangs up. <laughs> she said, mm, you can't stop me. <laughs> Matt approaches Jeremy because he's in the town square. And he says, oh, Jeremy, the main gas line's off. And he says, I need to get to Bonnie. And he runs. And Matt says, what? Why? Look how fucking fast Jeremy gets there is all I'm saying. I'm just going to say if someone were motivated, I think they could get to the cemetery pretty quick. Like Jeremy's running just to say goodbye to his girlfriend. And that was you running for your life? Just interesting. Just interesting. Just super, super interesting. We go back to the mausoleum. Elena is still crying, of course. I can't blame her for it. They were in love. Alaric comes in and he says, hey, girl, ain't you happy I'm back? <laughs> he said, isn't anyone excited to see me? Just kidding. He doesn't say that. Elena says he's gone. Alaric hugs her. Then they hear Jeremy calling for Bonnie outside. And Alaric's like, oh, man, I forgot I have to take care of these two. Yeah. Elena and Alert come out of the mausoleum. Stefan and Caroline and Tyler are there, and they see Jeremy running, calling for Bonnie. And Tyler says, what's going on? Jeremy joins the group, and we see Bonnie watching them from a distance. It's unclear if they see her or not. Yeah, because it kind of looks like they don't mm-hmm. at first, because she's kind of in the direction, and they don't seem to really be like, oh, there she is. <laughs> yeah. So then we go over to the other side. The rumbling is there, the wind is going, and there's like big lights coming around. So not looking great for the other side. Damon approaches Bonnie. And he says, this place is going down, isn't it? And Bonnie says, it is. And then she says, I'm sure there are a million people we'd both rather be with right now. But she holds his hand. And he says, oh, a couple thousand at most. They laugh. Ha ha ha. (laughs) They're like, you know, at least I'm not doing this by myself, I guess. There's a big white light approaching them. And Bonnie says, do you think it'll hurt? And Damon says, I don't know. And it cuts him off. The universe said, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) the big white light overtakes them and that's where we end the episode oh that pissed me off so first and foremost where do you think they went that is the question isn't it because we have been assuming and you know a lot of this is colored of course by the fact that i expect them both to come back yes some way or another so obviously i can't separate it from that we've been under the impression that you cannot once you're at peace you're at peace Yes. And you can't really come back from that. Mm-hmm. That it's like final. We don't know where the wind was going. And this obviously looked more like peace. But it also looked like, you know, as you said, there were lights in the forest. It looked very much like it was coming apart at the seams. Yeah. So maybe there's some third option. 
Like what? That is what I'm getting to. Give me <laughs> in that. So one of the things I thought about, I'll go to Graham's, you know, kind of confession because this links to that. That Graham says, you know, like I'm not going to come back, but I'm at peace because I know I did something to protect you. Now we know that witches can't do magic on the other side, but we also know the other side has been crumbling and they're getting to do all sorts of stuff they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. I think there is a potential that Graham's essentially did an anchor swap or found some way to kind of some different place for Bonnie to go. And it sure. may be that by, you know, physically being connected to Damon by holding hands that they both go wherever that is. Sure. Do you have any guesses what kind of place it might be? I will say to you, knowing where they go, I think it is very unlikely that you will guess it. Okay. But I want to give you a chance and I want to tell you that feel free to go weird here. Okay. Okay, cool. That's what I'll say. Okay. Let your imagination run wild. Julie Plex <laughs> certainly did. Okay, let's see. What can I come up with? I'm trying to find a, a happy medium between really supernatural and kind of put my own spin on it. Absolutely. And one that I'm going to say something really silly. I would love to hear it. And I'm going to take my inspiration from the seminal classic Osmosis Jones. Okay. And think that they somehow shrunk down like a Horton Hears a Who situation. Okay. So that the wind couldn't get them. Okay. I don't feel particularly confident in this, but... I did tell you to go silly. Yeah, I think I went a little too silly. I think you you meant a little more bold than goofy. Well, it is the answer is a little goofy. I think the other option is that... You know, essentially, I mean, I'm very much envisioning it. And this is because we've been watching the other side for now five seasons, that it's something other side adjacent that it's like, or like the upside down, you know, like kind of another dimension, quote unquote, or they shrunk down. Those are the two that I'll go out. (laughs) Or they're up up Elena's nose right now. Trying to say. Um, (laughs) Following up on that, we can talk more about season six predictions after we reflect on season Mm -hmm. five. But I will ask one question about it as we as it relates to this particular topic, how long do you think it will be into season six before Damon or Bonnie or both of them come back? Because you're working under the impression that they will at some point come back. How long do you think it's going to take? I'm going to say three to five episodes. Okay. Leaning towards the three direction. A lot of that also depends on kind of what this situation they're in is. You know, if Grams was able to do some sort of anchor swap, it could be sooner that they just need to, you know, I don't know, move through some other world. If it's something that say they need the help of Liv and Luke's coven to figure out or that, you know, Graham's, uh, again, I'll float these things that I've been floating on and off through the season. Graham's taught at Whitmore. Liv ended up at Whitmore. I don't think those are unrelated things. And so I think the idea that Graham's at least knows somebody in that coven is not a big stretch. Sure. And so I think there's a possibility that what Grams did to help was kind of connect to that coven and say, hey, there's a witch you need to help. I don't know how she got them on board since they didn't seem to be, you know, with the doppelganger side, but also they might, she might have just had them disconnected. But so I just want to raise that possibility. That makes sense. I see where you're getting that. Let's talk about season five reflections, this finale, but we'll start with the end of season five. We move on to season six. Number one, one thing we cannot leave unaddressed is she believes she could so she did you brought a lyric back by sheer force of will
you would not be gaslit. You would not hear otherwise. How do you feel today knowing Alaric is back? You know, it's not even a sense of relief because this was an inevitability to me. Like there wasn't a concern ever. Don't get me wrong. You gave me a lot of grief for it to the point that I was like, part of me was like, she wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't right. But also I recognized, I thought he was coming back the end of season four. I felt so confident in that. I had to make it through a whole nother season. And we didn't see him most, if at all, this season, most of if at all this season. He's gone for a incredibly long time. And again, when I watched this show for the first time, I was also pretty sure that he was coming back once he left at the end Mm -hmm. of season three. So I was like, oh, he's coming back. But after you get through season four and you don't see him, and then you're in like season five, it's like, wait, am I stupid? Nevertheless, she persisted. It's a good day to be me overall. Let me tell you, there is a reason why he left. Okay. Like he had a job? He sure did. Because I looked this up before because I was like, why was he gone so long? He must have booked something. So season three finished airing in May of 2012. On February 12th, 2013, Matt Davis's new show premiered, which was called Cult. It's obviously a new show he was the lead of. It only ran for one season. So clearly he left to be on this. And then he went on to do three episodes of CSI. Mm -hmm. And then he pretty quickly, after that, season five of The Vampire Diaries ends May 15th, 2014. So at this point, he's out of work. He called up Julie Pleck. He said, girly, please bring me back. He came crawling back. And she said, you know what good people are asking for you? And I'm about to piss them off bad. So, you know, I think she knew that this Traveler storyline was getting away from her. And she was like, how am I going to keep people on the hook here? And she was like, I got to get some crazy deaths out again. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to get rid of any of the characters. And so then he called and said, hey, I would love to come back. And she said, oh, my God, perfect. We'll just get a whole bunch from the other side. End that shit. Easy peasy. And that's how she got to this ending of this season. I think that's why it felt a little crazy. Yeah. I mean, the thing also that worried me when Alaric left originally is that we immediately meet Attica Shane and then we Mm -hmm. meet Enzo, who's Damon's new friend. We meet these characters who seem to fill the role that Alaric filled. So it seems like, okay, I'm in fear. That couldn't even get me. You would not be moved. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Yes, I am, yes, I am, yes, I am. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. So now let's talk about the end of season five as a whole. This has definitely been a season. I mean, it's definitely a whole season of TV. In these first five seasons of Vampire Diaries, I think it is far and away the worst. I would be surprised if anyone could make an argument to the contrary. I don't think anyone would fight you on that. I mean, we've talked at length about this before. The first, you know, half of the season is pretty interesting. But as soon as we get into passengers and travelers, it just quickly devolves My main issue, as I've talked many times, is that their interests seem to keep changing. And when we find their grand plan is to eradicate magic, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Based on what we know about magic and nature, it just none of it really makes enough sense. And, you know, we're willing to suspend a lot of disbelief. It's a supernatural show. But some of it is just like, okay. And here's what I think really the issue comes down to with the Travelers is that every other villain, and I mean, I guess you can make this argument for the Travelers, Mm -hmm. but every other villain, despite how evil they might be, their goal is driven primarily by love. And so it's always believable. The Travelers feel very much like a revenge storyline. Yes. Which is just not 
compelling in the same way. And I think, you know, you can make the argument that them looking for a home is a version of love, but it's just not read that way. And I think it makes them like, it's not like we were ever rooting for the other villains necessarily to like beat our team in the grand scheme. Like it's not like we were rooting for Catherine to like get whatever. You don't need to root for the villains. So I'm saying like, it doesn't need to be a good enough Mm -hmm. reason that I'm rooting for them, but I do want it to be enough of a reason that I can say, okay, I understand why you're approaching it this way. Their motivation. Yeah. And I feel like with the travelers, it's just like, I just feel like you guys, you guys don't even know why you want this. You don't want this bad enough. You already lost so much of this already. And it feels like, a waste of everyone's time. Mm -hmm. You're doing this to beat the witches more than anything else. It's vindictive. And I think the major reason this happens is because we know the travelers kind of as like a group that's just hanging around. And then all of a sudden they become our main villain and it's too late to introduce a real compelling leader. We get Sloane who doesn't really get a lot to do. And then we get Marcos who doesn't get a lot to do. And so it's hard to relate to any of them because most of them are just bodies and the leaders are, we don't, get any time to get to know them or learn to like care about them. I think the only way this traveler storyline could have worked is if somehow we make Nadia the leader. Nadia comes back from the other side and she wants revenge on these people for killing her mother. Yeah, wants to avenge her mother. And so then also, you know, she's like, we want all of you out of Mystic Falls. So then it's less about eradicating magic and more about specifically harming these people who harmed her mother. At that point, I think it would still have a number of issues with, Yeah, I mean, the traveler motivation still doesn't make a ton of sense, But I think at that point, there would be like an emotional core. Yeah. I think what the travelers are missing, which you said, is like an emotional core. And I think the problem too is that even introduced to the travelers, our main introduction is Nadia through the whole season. And all love to Olga Fonda, but there's just not much going on with Nadia as a character that she just didn't have that same charisma to be able to lead a group like that. And I do think part of this is a factor of coming from Catherine original Silas is this need to up the next villain. And I think the approach was that now it's a group villain, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's they're everywhere. But I think that had the opposite effect that it really undercut them of like, Mm -hmm. how little power do these people have if we need like 50 of them every time? I think it was meant to be an intimidation tactic and it just didn't read that way at all. And I do think there is really no way, again, from Catherine to the originals to Silas, there's no way to really believably raise the stakes and make a more powerful person. So what they have to do is lower the stakes to raise them. They have to make it a personal vendetta because then it's high emotional stakes. Even if it's low stakes for the rest of the world, it's high stakes for a group. But instead, what they Mm -hmm. tried to do was raise the stakes for magic as a whole, Mm -hmm. which led to lowering the stakes for our actual benefit. And I do think, like, you know, you've said it, I've agreed, that the Augustine chapter, I think, is really where we could have gotten some of those, like, yes, Dr. Maxfield was not, like, the scariest villain, but that we could have really approached the stakes and how this affects our heroes. I've said it before, this connection to Elena's father and what this, like, legacy effect like mm-hmm. kind of going back to the founding families in a way yes. that I think looks beyond just like stopping vampires and really builds on that in an interesting way. I think Augustine had such a media opportunity. And I think even working with Catherine and aging, and even if we want to get Nadia in there, but I think throughout the whole season, the passengers and the travelers just seem like an afterthought and then they become the focus mm-hmm. and it just doesn't have the same pull. Yeah. Like, all that to say, Dr. Maxfield is not like a charismatic villain in the same way, but that didn't make that storyline not 
enjoyable, mm-hmm. you know? So you don't need like a huge stake in order to succeed. Yes. I think Wes Maxfield is all in all a stronger villain than Marcos is. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't really explore all of Wes Maxfield's like motivation for wanting mm-hmm. to eradicate vampires because he's not a direct Whitmore. And even if Wes Maxfield is like the number two guy, I just think that Augustine offers us a lot more runway to have interesting stuff. And I think it still could lead us to somehow collapsing the other side. I think we could collapse the other mm-hmm. side by bring, like some someone gets killed by Augustine and gets brought back. I think we could still somehow explain a way to ca- collapse the other side. And I still think the eradicating magic stuff could be something that like villain A does and Wes Maxfield is just a product of that. Well, it's also a possibility, you know, that if we had Augustine testing on vampires, it's not a crazy thought that then we could expand that, that there are research groups on witches, on werewolves. And then how did witch magic get affected by that? How did that maybe lead to the creation of the other side? Or even, you know, using Enzo as this kind of villain, the same Mm -hmm. way Damon was in the first season, which they do for like an episode. But I think him connected to Augustine could have also been like a B or A villain. Mm -hmm. Like maybe he teams up with Dr. Maxfield for a while because he wants to get revenge on Damon instead of like in one day forgiving him for letting him burn. Like it just felt rushed through in a way that I don't think it needed to be. Mm -hmm. This is another major problem. Like I love Enzo as a character. I will continue to love him. Mm-hmm. I think the introduction of Enzo ended up being focused much more on giving us a stand-in for Alaric, who can be Damon's friend, and a mm-hmm. stand-in for Klaus, who could be a morally gray British man who flirts with Caroline. And it didn't allow him to like create his own character arc. And by the time they realized they could have done it, it was kind of too late. We'd moved on from the Augustine thing. Yeah. I stand by the fact, I think the Augustine chapter should have taken up much more of this. I think it brings up much more interesting family dynamics, founding family dynamics. I think it still brings us to Mystic Falls while expanding the scope. When you could still touch on like the home theme. Because what is your home if you find that you are not welcome where you've always been? And what does it mean that your home is a place that has been like this torture ground for other Mm -hmm. people? Like how how do you justify your home and your family when you know it's hurt people. How do you reckon with your family's existing legacy while still trying to create your own? That's a very interesting storyline for Elena. How does she reckon with her survivor's guilt, feeling like she's not worthy to survive over her parents and then learning that her father would have actively tortured her and her friends? Yeah, it's just, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. And I think in past seasons, they've always felt like they've come together, that everything was kind of built into the whole season this one, it felt a little more like they were behind the eight ball writing it. Yeah. Which like it, they bring up passengers in the first episode. So it's yes. not like they don't have the baseline of it, but it does feel like by the time we get to the end of it, it's like, did you guys plan this? Or like, how did it get this convoluted? You know, whereas other ones, I feel like they come together in the same way. And I think even the beginning of with Silas and Ketsia, that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. College is a lot of fun. Like, I think we have opportunities to do things and it just didn't feel as cohesive Mm -hmm. yeah it just feels like they pushed through so much of the fun stuff in the beginning of the season so fast Mm -hmm. and it just feels like they didn't plot out the season whereas like every other season it feels like the stakes are raised throughout the season in a way that makes sense to really bring it together really cohesively and this is the first season they can't seem to do that yeah I don't think they really knew what they wanted to do with college Because I think they knew they obviously wanted them to still be in Mystic Falls, but they wanted the fun of the college experience in the show. But then they just like couldn't quite get those two together, which like they could have just said they went to 
Mystic University. I Like, I would have been fine with that. Or I really don't even care. I mean, we knew that they've been to Whitmore before. We knew that's where Sheila taught. We know that's mm-hmm. where Atticus Shane was. We can just say it's just outside of town. Yeah. You don't need to give like any time amount because then I'm just going to pick up on it if it's quicker than usual. Exactly. Again, even a bad season of The Vampire Diaries, still fun TV. Yeah, still good show and entertaining in a way to go through The Travelers because man, the twists and turns of it. And there is something so fun about a season of TV that it's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It's just, I've come to have such high expectations. Yeah. My other problem with particularly the end of this season is A, as we talked at length, Elena didn't have to kill herself in this plan. Why'd she do that? That's stupid, stupid, stupid. (laughs) Uh, But two, I do think, like granted, maybe watching it live is a different experience, but I feel like as soon as Stefan dies, the stakes are kind of cut because like Enzo, the season could end with him dead. That's, we know he's not safe. That's reasonable. But once Stefan dies, it's like, okay, well, Stefan's definitely going to come back. I mean, like, yes, maybe watching it live, it's, you're not sure, but Stefan's going to come back. And then particularly this episode, so many people die. It's like, okay, well, I know they're all going to come back. And like, yes, they kind of subvert it by then killing Damon, but it still feels like a lot of them got off easy. Yeah. It's very much like this episode was a little goofy. Like, I do think the shock of seeing that happen to Stefan does build on it. And so like the state could still feel high if you know you're going to the finale. Yeah. But I also think that like, as soon as other people start dying, it's like, okay, so we're just, it's just a line of who's coming back at this point. There was one point like three or four episodes ago where you said, do I think a whole group of people is going to come back from the other side? No. And I laughed. <laughs> I laughed. Well, people. there weren't enough dead people then. <laughs> I know. It was, it was very funny when you said it because I'm like, that's literally exactly what's going to happen. I love when I say stuff like that and I don't even know that I was like, it's not like Enzo can haunt them. Apparently he could in that (laughs) case. (laughs) But overall, end of season five reflection, favorite episodes. What stands out as some of your favorite moments of season five? Of course, for me, I love the costume ball where they all dress up. That's a fun episode. I also love, I mean, I love the first episode of this season, actually, when they get to college, Haley Kiyoko gets killed. I love a lot of the Augustine stuff, specifically the one where we first meet Enzo. Again, the beginning of season five is fun. And, you know, I love a little bitter ball. Yeah, the bitter ball was fun. I loved moments of, I feel like Catherine getting herself as a passenger in, like that scene alone, fun. Obviously, it lasted way too long. I think 500 Years of Solitude is a great Catherine-heavy episode. I've said it before. I just think she should have died at the end of it. But I do think her last scene in Gone Girl is super fun. But I do think the whole Catherine and Elena's body chapter lasts a little bit too long. I do think, like, and I said this before, if you could take that last scene from Gone Girl and plop it on the end of 500 Years of Solitude would have been perfect. Mm -hmm. But they did not do that. And, you know, I just love the Tessa and Silas going back and forth. Yes. Trying to kill each other kill themselves i think they're so much fun tessa being a flirty girl and let us not forget that this season started and stefan had amnesia for a minute oh my god i forgot about amnesia actually i know that was kind of but again the amnesia thing i think was fun because it lasted like two episodes really yeah but also again that's where this season it's like okay we're, we're doing a little too much here yeah we have to trust that whitmore college offers us a lot i think like having a spooky college really could have gotten them through a full season. Yeah, I definitely think so. If they let it, if they trusted it. Let's talk about our favorite new characters who we may have met and lost. Obviously, we are diehard Aaron Whitmore stands. I was going to make that same joke. Everybody (laughs) laugh. I'm so glad he's dead. 
Talk about someone who lasted too long. I know. Geez. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we meet Enzo for the first time this season and obviously love him i mean he just captures the hearts of america you know it's just a fact he's hot and sexy he's funny he's a damon klaus hybrid that's what i'm looking for and he will ride or die for caroline he said that's my girl right there and for that we admire him Mm -hmm. any character that comes in and vibes with caroline i trust yeah and of course if i stand anyone i stand tessa i know i'm gonna call her ketsia till the day i die but i stand that bitch that bitch is beyond. Girl bossery to the 10th degree. She got everything she wanted. She deserves the world. That's my mother. I really think we didn't see her this episode because she found peace. I think she went right there. I truly think she wanted to trap Silas on the other side with her, but she bypassed it and went straight to peace. I mean, it's so slay. Tell you what, if she was in the situation instead of Silas teaching the traveler spell, she wouldn't have gotten sucked up by that wind. She would have thrown Bonnie in. I'll tell you that. Who else do I hate? Nadia. <laughs> I mean, just boring. No, I mean, no offense to her. Again, she does everything she can and she's not given. I mean, she's given a good chunk, but there is truly nothing sadder mm-hmm. than when Matt goes to Nadia and says, are you an idiot? Your mother doesn't love you. It's hard to watch. I will say my favorite death moment because we had a lot of them. I mean, Enzo fucking backing up with Seven's hand on his heart. That is talk about a fucking icon. I mean, just amazing. Yeah, one of my favorite deaths is the first time we see what the Traveler's plan is and Sloane's throat gets opened up and she just dies. Pops up, yeah. That's Slay. I also think, you know, we have to give a big shout out to Jesse. He was great and I think he had to die for the story. But he had a very interesting, I think, it was a good way to revisit what transitioning means and what vampirism means. And again, I think we could have played with that a lot more. I don't think necessarily his arc should have lasted longer. I think his arc was correct and well fit in the season. But I do think he was a good example of what we could have been doing with Augustine. Mm -hmm. I did also, I think I sent you a text message about this, but I read recently that Michael Malarkey, who plays Enzo, also auditioned for Jesse and Aaron Whitmore. Oh my God. Can you imagine if he played Aaron Whitmore? I would have been like, no, Aaron Whitmore, don't die. <laughs> he could never have reached the level of sad sack that Aaron was giving. That's why that's why they didn't cast him. They said, you are too hot and sexy for this role. Yeah, they said, no, you, you got to stick around. And I will say, you know, we made a lot of fun of Wes Maxfield for much of the season. But I do like him as a character. I like him as a villain. And he is a little bit if John Gilbert slayed. Yeah, I enjoyed him a lot. And. There was a lot of fun of like having a science villain as like, you know, a science girly. Mm-hmm. As much as he said, as a man of science. Those are some of my favorite guesses to make because I could come from a place of logic. Now, obviously that was stupid because why would it follow the logic? But I still had fun with it. Yeah. I also do like the introduction of Liv and Luke. I do like Liv and Luke. I'm actually not sure how popular that opinion is. I don't know if people like them. Sound off in the comments, everyone. (laughs) You know, Luke, I'm not sold on. But Liv, I do like her. I think, you know, we needed a witch, obviously. And I like to have a witch who, you know, a lot of times we bring witches in who weren't Bonnie in the past. It's very much like one and done. We just need them to do something and they just do what you need to do. And I do like that Liv makes her own calls sometimes. Yeah. I do think, you know, they write her a little goofy sometimes. But you know what? I appreciate that they made a big swing with her personality. They have done no such thing with Luke's personality. They said he's gay. They said he's gay and loves brother. That's the entire. That was like one of his first lines. And they said, that's all we need to know. They said that's the entire character. 
they at least are doing something with uh, Liv. Yeah. So I like their introduction. And I think we can get some interesting stuff with them as well. And I, I think there's potential for the coven to be an interesting group villain in a way. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in a second. But I have one last question about season five. Let's talk about our favorite couples. Mm-hmm. I mean, Delena took a hit. Delena had their ups and downs this season. I think overall, I would call this a sterile season. It is, despite not kissing one time. But you don't have to kiss for it to be your season. Yeah. Let's face it. We're setting the stage for Sterile. It's a runaway train at this point. The other couples, I mean, we right now we have a lot of like longstanding couples and there hasn't been a lot of movement on couples this season. Mm-hmm. It's Bonnie and Jeremy and Damon and Elena who are together yeah. or otherwise. Caroline and Tyler finally broke up in this season. They lasted longer in this season than they should have. Yeah. Thank God for the forward breakup. We've been waiting. And I mean, we did have a little bit of Caroline this season but apparently a closing chapter. Yeah, I mean, I assumed that when I saw it. It felt like closure. Obviously one of my favorite scenes of the season. I didn't need to say it. We forget it happens because it's in the middle of all the stupid bullshit. <laughs> but we did have some Claireline closure. And you know what? It, we had great fun with Claireline. I still believe they should be endgame, but we are moving into Sterile territory, it would seem. I needed that to be able to welcome Sterile. Yeah. Like I needed at least that moment for her to then move to friends to lovers. Yeah. But other than that, you know, romance has been kind of stagnant this season. We've mm-hmm. got the real stinker of a relationship that is Bonnie and Jeremy. And we've got yeah. Damon and Elena just really overcomplicating things. Just date. Oh, my God. It, you know, they had their happy months before we got to watch any of it. And then they're so guilty about Stefan. It just snowballs from there. And then they oh, we're bad for each other. Blah, 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 blah. Move on. Once you get through the will they, won't they? I understand you have to do like another version of it. Because it's a long-running show, you need to keep people on their toes. Just put them together. I mean, then we get a cute little couple. We don't need a lot of time with them as a couple. Most of their happy couple moments happened between season four and season five, when they didn't know Stefan was in the safe. It's so easy to forget that Stefan started this season drowning in a safe. (laughs) And, you know, everyone forgot it immediately on the show as well. They ignored that one. (laughs) They said, we're not going to think about that. That makes us feel bad. Stefan had quite a season. He went from drowning in a safe to dying to losing his brother. He did not get like any wins. He got kidnapped by the Travelers, had to watch his doppelganger get killed, lost a lot of blood. I mean, killed his brother's friend accidentally. And he didn't even kiss Caroline. He did not have a good time. And Damon didn't have a particularly good time either, but I think Stefan had a worse time. Yeah, easily. So let's move into season six predictions, what we can expect from season six. Let's talk first about how do you think Damon and Bonnie's, for all intents and purposes, death, is going to affect everybody. I mean, Elena's going to be doing bad. I don't think she'll do bad enough to shut her emotions off, but... How do you think Elena is going to cope with Damon's death, specifically? I mean, Bonnie's obviously going to affect her, but Damon's obviously the one's affecting her. I think it's mostly going to be a depressed situation, because we've seen sometimes, like, after Lurk's death, she's like, we just have to move on. We have to move on. I think this one, she's going to have a harder time with that. I think... You know, Caroline's going to struggle a lot with the Bonnie part of it of like, and I think, you know, Jeremy's the only one who got told like, hey, this was a lie. I knew I wasn't going to come back. So he's going to have to spread that information. And I do think that's going to be deeply hurtful to Jeremy that even Mm -hmm. when she comes back, he's going to make that a trust thing because that couple has to break up. And that's the only reason I can think of. And it also, it is the question of, you know, how long post all of this, will the new season start? You know, like what is the timeline in between them? And so it may be that we come after like three months 
and Jeremy's like ready to move on. I don't think Elena will quite get there yet, but who knows? How do you think Stefan's going to deal with Damon's death? Oh, he's not going to do good. That's a good question. I think if he were smart, he would take time and really like work through it with Caroline and, you know, keep himself together. But I do think, I don't know exactly. I think he's going to have a lot of anger towards it, mostly anger at himself. Mm-hmm. of like, why didn't I wait for Damon? Or like, why didn't I sacrifice myself or something that, you know, gets into mm-hmm. that. And it may be too that he then reaches out to Enzo. We don't know where Enzo's going to kind of get him to help them figure it out because Damon fought for Enzo. Maybe Stefan will be like, okay, mm-hmm. we need to fight for Damon. And maybe he'll he'll get to be a little closer with Enzo. And I think Alaric being there could hopefully be a, a bridge and a support system for Stefan to like talk to about Damon. Because it's kind of harder for him to talk to Elena about it. Whereas I think Alaric can be a little more helpful. Mm-hmm. And poor Alaric, he was just on the other side without his best friend for like two years. Then he comes back and his best friend leaves. Yeah. <laughs> do you think anyone is going to be actively trying to get Damon and Bonnie back? Or do you think everyone's going to be like, well, they're dead? I think Elena and Stefan are the most likely ones to be actively trying. I think Caroline and Alaric will probably be a little bit more like, you know what? It's really unfortunate, but we kind of have to move on and trying to help them get past this horrible loss is my guess. So let's talk about, from what we know, the anti-magic border around Mystic Falls is still in place. How do you think that's going to affect our team? Do you think anyone's going to have an interesting reaction to that? You're really asking about something specific the way you said that. For listeners, when we get close to the end of a season, I start a rewatch of the next season so I can ask her, you know, relevant questions. So I just want to ask, like, how do you think the anti-magic border is going to affect our team? Because Mystic Falls is, even as they're away at college, it's a central part of the story. Yeah. How do you think it's going to affect everyone? You can comment on whoever you like. I do think that is one goal that they'll probably want to see if they can undo that border because I'm sure they'll want to go back to town. It seems that Matt is already like, okay with this situation. I do think one uh, person who should be on watch from going near that border is Miss Elena. It would not be a shock if she crossed that border to try to kill herself is all I'll say. Sure, that's fair. Now let's talk. Do you think we're going to meet any new characters in season six? I do think we are going to meet Liv and Luke's coven. Do you think their coven's going to have a name? If you had to guess, I don't expect you to guess it. But there is a name. I'm not saying there's a name. I'm saying, do you think they have a name? This is like me asking you Tom Avery's name. This is just for fun. I didn't think they had a name. Well, something like how Travelers or Bennett Witches have a name, you know? Sure. So it could be as simple as the Perker Coven. I don't think they're the leaders of the Coven. But that's why I'm asking, do you think there's a name? Is there any clues that give us something about their Coven? Something with an L. Sure. It's just an L. Uh, Okay, well, hmm. Here's something. Okay. Uh, <laughs> going goofy once again. Maybe it's just a woman and gay coven. LGBTQ. Only the girls and gays. It's the girls and gays. We've only seen a girl and a gay. That's, I mean, that's not the an co- awful guess. The coven is called the dolls. <laughs> I don't know what their name would be. Fair enough. I, I mean, yeah, I don't think they're the leaders of it. I, and I don't think it would be called anything like Whitmore. Skull Coven, like Skull Burr. How'd you get the job there? (laughs) Do you think their coven is going to be kind of our main villain in season six? Or do you think we're going to meet a different kind of villain? I think we'll probably meet a different kind of villain because I think the coven will end up in kind of a tenuous, not alliance per se, 
But I do think witches everywhere will be concerned about the fact that the other side has disappeared. And so I think that may not necessarily, like, they may not necessarily be a villain per se. Sure. But that they are like an antagonist in the beginning that maybe they get looped into things. Sure. Um, I think there could be members of it. Like the leader of the coven, I'm sure is me more villainy because I also think that leader will come after Liv and Luke for essentially letting magic disappear in even one part of town. Sure. Last question. We've got a lot of single people on the show right now. We've got Caroline, we've got Stefan, effectively Elena, Alaric, <laughs> Tyler, Jeremy, effectively, Matt, Luke, Liv. Do you think we're going to see any new couples? That's a great question. Either of these people existing or of new characters. Do you think anyone's going to couple up? I think we're going to need mostly new new people to fill out all those couples. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a Benzo truther. Um, I'm a Jiv truther. You're still a Jiv truther? Yeah, I, I still, you know, because I do think, obviously, we need to break Bonnie and Jeremy up. Yeah, please. Uh, it's just it's just not giving. And I don't necessarily think Jeremy and Liv is like giving, giving. But if <laughs> I had to pick someone to match up with Liv, it would be Jeremy and vice versa. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, you two. You know, it would be fun to see Matt get somebody. Mm-hmm. Maybe a human now that all his vampire friends aren't fucking talking as they're off at the grill and he can actually like talk to other customers. Yeah. Maybe the return of April Young. Do you think Alaric's going to get a new girlfriend? I think he will. I don't know who, but I think he is due for one. Do you think we might see the return of Meredith Fell? No, I think she's not her and Paul Wesley divorced at this point. Well, she wouldn't have to do any scenes with Paul Wesley. (laughs) No, but I think I think her time has ended. Meredith Fell seemed pretty done with these people by the time she was gone. After she turned Elena into a vampire, she's like, so that was a pretty big flub. (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go. I'll see myself out. One thing I do want to raise as a possibility okay. for season six. You know, I don't know how we're going to get back into Mystic Falls, whatever the hell. Yeah. But the grill exploded. Okay. Prime time for a revamp of the set. I guess I should have asked that. Do you think they're going to rebuild the grill? So I do believe the outside will look the same, but I think maybe they'll redo the inside, change it up a little. Do you think, you know, Matt's a high school dropout. He's worked at the grill for a long time. Do you think maybe he'll be like the Sam Malone of the grill? Do you think he'll kind of own it now? Like he'll buy it? That would be dumb because where would he get the money? But I do think that sounds like something that would happen. Yeah. The Tom Tom of Mystic Falls, if you will. Matt needs to find a job. Sexy, unique grill. Yeah, sexy, unique grill. (laughs) (laughs) I guess Jeremy could own the grill too. What else does he have going on? They're the only two people who can be in town right now. Uh, Stefan could buy it with their fortune. Yeah, And then just be like, you guys run it. And make sure that they fix that Caesar salad recipe because the croutons are horrible there. Yeah. (laughs) That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.